0: Good morning and a happy hump day to you, folks. It is a Wednesday, beautiful Wednesday, and here's the hump that I am getting over today. I'm going to redirect some energy today. I'm going to change the narrative that I have going in my life, and here's how I'm going to do it. And I implore you to do the same, folks, because getting a hold of your narrative, controlling your narrative is so important. Today, I'm going to find someone who normally annoys me, somebody who normally makes me feel anxiety. And I'm going to thank them for something they do that's positive in my life. I'm going to see how that changes things going forward. Instead of constantly perpetuating that negative energy amongst the two of us, I'm going to redirect the energy and see how that goes. Folks, I guarantee you, I'm going to get a wonderful result. Remember, don't get caught up in the things that you cannot control. Control the things that you can get caught up
1: in. Now let's get this hump day going. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
2: I don't need nobody to tell me who to be. Don't need nobody to tell me what, what
0: I, I good good to see. Welcome to the Show. My is Jason That is Ken Lavin over there. Good morning. Oh, look at that. Your levels look great and everything. Feet up on the table here in our remote studio out of the hotel room this morning. Early morning. Thank you for joining me in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as I am making my way down to... Where am I heading to tomorrow? I'm heading to the Pig & poke, Pig & poke, Something uh, like that. It's called the Pig & poke out of the Odessa, Mid, Permian and, area. Yeah,
2: Midland, Odessa area.
0: And... We're heading there and I've got a cook off the next day. Oh nice. Pipeliners. It's the Santa it's the sorry, not San Antonio. Permian Basin Pipeliners. I was thinking of uh, San our Andreas. interview with Lauren <laughs> last week with the San Antonio Pipeliners Association. Nice. Well we're featuring women all month. Which you should. And so it's the it's the women's history month. Yes. And the way we look at it here at The Crude Life is because there's probably not too many women in the history of industry, specifically oil and gas. So the women of today are making history every day. Oh, absolutely. You like
2: that tie-in? I love that. Hey, speaking of, we should just call out right now, call out the uh, was the CEO of Oxy. You should have her come on during this month. Oh, that would be great. She would. She would be an awesome guest.
0: I will let Jenica know. I'm, I'm sending Jenica after a lot of my uh, female interviews. Figure she's going to have a better shot than me. <laughs> well, they might Google my name. I don't <laughs> Anyway, whoa! Well, what was that? Okay, so, by the way, folks, this is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Of course, we're playing hard this morning. In the work hard section, we did the interview yesterday afternoon in Warren 1 building, the Warren 1 building, Wow, that's a nice building, by the way. Lots of security, and we made it up there to the fifth floor to DEPA D E P A Domesticated Energy Producers Pro- Producers Alliance. Mm-hmm. And the we met with the CEO and president.
2: Yes, we did.
0: And oh, sure. Yeah, I'm familiar with her. Yeah, the CEO of Oxy. Okay, sorry, Vicky Ken. Vicky Hollow. Ken was showing me who, who we were talking about there because we're ADD radio here this morning. Um, but we met with Jerry Simmons. Amazing guy. With former geologist and a mineral rights owner activist in terms of he represented mineral rights owner.
2: So he's for the people. Absolutely. Definitely and, for me. Great speaker.
0: And, you know, it's what's interesting about, and folks, it's coming up in the second half of the program in the work hard section. Right now, of course, this is live. Here on a Wednesday morning, so but our work hard we pre-recorded. And anywho, but uh what was amazing about him is I didn't realize his background he represented mineral owners. Hmm. So immediately, and I'm gonna just spoiler alert, you can tell with his answers that it, it was very existential from the people's perspective as opposed to a very narrow uh special interest
2: absolutely and with his background being a rock doc shout out to all the geolog- geologist rock docs out there real life rock stars that's right by far mm-hmm. he he could really he could really relate to everything he was talking about
0: so we do we talk with him in the second half of the program uh you of course had at least an hour oh to- to check out the offices and mingle oh. with some people and catch up, uh, you and Matt Hill.
2: Oh, yeah. Matt was got to be in with us. That was great. Glad he could come up and spend time away from the family and uh, get to come up and play with us. Sounds like Fossil Fuel Fridays is going to have a future interview
0: ah, with yes. the president and CEO of DEPA. Did I hear the, that through? You guys are in
2: negotiation? Yeah, we're already in discussions. Oh. It's, a, yep, it's a first. You heard it here. It's going to happen. So well, We uh, break news here at The Crude Life. That's is- right. And he may even be a speaker at another industry event. Really? Well, uh, so we uh, we're we're definitely lining up lining them up for a lot of things to get the word out.
0: You two had a little productive day, huh?
2: Oh, it has been quite what? productive.
0: What did you guys do when those doors were closed?
2: And <laughs> no, we're not allowed to talk about that I on the know. radio.
0: <sighs> well, we are allowed to talk about what uh, Mr. Jerry Simmons and I talked about—the CEO and president of DEPA, Domestic Energy Producers Alliance—and the interview runs about sixty minutes, a little over sixty minutes. And I always do what I do. Last question, what's next? How do we actually turn this into a solution? So we talk a lot about the issues. And the issue is that the American Petroleum Alliance, I'm sorry, Institute, see, I'm all messed up. It's too early. The American Petroleum Institute came out and like I correctly pointed out in the interview, and he was very uh, gracious and happy. I phrased it in the way i did which is api has not endorsed anything yet no but what they've done is they've started the conversation and what i pointed out and i think more media people should point this out is they could talk about anything right now Hmm. anything Hmm. and this is what they chose Yeah. okay they could talk about whether we we take away plastic bottles this dr pepper bottle Mm -hmm. and we go back to Glass only. Yeah. And that's going to reduce emissions by X amount. So, Greta, go away. Sure. I mean, whatever. But they chose to say, hey, maybe we should have a climate tax. Maybe maybe John Kerry's right. Ooh. Ooh. Well, like I said on Monday this week, holy shit, John Kerry's the new voice of oil and gas? (laughs) And I, by the way, spoiler alert, I do ask Jerry Simmons that question no oh absolutely I oh do. do tell oh the, we take the gloves off a bit Ooh. and we don't agree on everything
2: i'm ready to hear that most things we do okay don't spoil it now we gotta wait till you <coughs> gotta wait till later a bit so okay. okay
0: so what else do we got coming up here we got uh, a new sponsor we're going to announce next week so we're just finalizing that as well and let's see this week who's our sponsor absolute field and energy services go to the website to check out more on that and, uh, do, 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 do. Who's there other one? Oh yeah. The American driller, directional driller. I don't have my notes. I'm in a hotel room, folks. American directional driller. And uh, they do the 40 foot tape measure. No. Give you an extra eight feet because, uh, apparently 32 is the average, but they do an extra, uh, eight feet. So the 40 foot tape measure. Okay. Now I just want to transition there too. What we're going to talk about today is Matt Hill's not here. Hmm. Ken Lavin with Winter Mud. Yes,
2: sir. Winter Mud. We'll,
0: ta- we'll talk about Winter Mud here in a, in a moment or two, about what you guys do. Uh, Matt Hill is your co-host of mm-hmm. Fossil Fuel Fridays. He's with Night Energy Services.
2: That is correct. Big Night Energy Service. His wife with SB Directional. Oh. Yeah. So she's in the, she's in the game, too. You think if I gave
0: you the 40-foot... Tape measure? She could she could directionally tape measure stuff and put it on social media. Oh, by far. Well, for real, I got one with.
2: Oh no way! I'll take during the
0: commercial break. I'm going to show it to you because the thing weighs like twenty pounds. No, well five. Theater, folks. Let's, okay. Come on, we got to exaggerate. Oh <laughs> my bit gosh, here. it's <laughs> huge. <laughs> it is actually 40 feet. I'm not exaggerating that. Wait, what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, Whoa. Oh,
2: what kind of morning show is this?
0: <laughs> Let's play hard. No. So. Oh, See, man. It, it just goes in the gutter.
2: Fast. This is what I get signed up for, and I have no idea what's coming. There we go. <laughs> so, Matt Hill, uh, he had to drive back
0: yesterday to. Edmonds, yeah, Edmond, Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah, Edmond, Oklahoma, and so. uh, But he he's got family duties. He's got he's (sighs) got domestic duties, which I know firsthand from the years 2012 to about 20. What's years today? 2020, yeah, (laughs) 21, 21. So I mean, and and we want to talk a little bit about that day in the first segment because Ken. Normally, you're the you're family man too absolutely yeah. i've got a 16 year old so and that's the secret right there when they become a little more self-sufficient you can all of a sudden honey i'm gonna be home later tonight you yeah, know? And, yeah. The, and and the honey's like oh you stay out boy that's fine the kid's taking care of himself i'm gonna go have a cup of coffee a glass of wine yeah definitely a glass
2: of wine for my yep, wife for yep, sure that sort
0: of thing <laughs> You know, but when they're a little bit younger, for example, at least in my experience, uh, I, I, I I can't tell you how many oil and gas functions, oh. how many social hours, how many networks. I actually said to my ex one time when we were fighting about money. Sure. Okay. I said that, do you understand that by me staying home and not going out drinking with the, the the boys the people in town yeah you know whatever that is literally cost me six figures
2: literally oh absolutely there's tons i know in my the very first of my career it was so hard to be able to get in and get with that group of individuals because i was i was having to be home you know i was being gone and uh you know missing out on that and my wife thank god bless her soul 17 years later uh we uh she's worked her buns off to work as well and be able to be home at with the kiddo and it is hard i mean you miss out on so much so many inner industry things and then we were kind of going to go into this and i'm, I'm going to jump into it a little bit the guys that are on the rig you're two weeks on two weeks off uh some of them i i even had a rotation of 21 days on and seven days home oh and quick, quick idea for an oil company Give the bonus to the wife. Go on. Oh, yeah. Touche. Touche. <laughs> it's like, just send
0: bonus it straight is for there. Your, wife. your yeah. husband worked two weeks and you had to deal with the kids. Yeah. You know, del-
2: you des- <laughs> ladies, you deserve so much more. You have no idea. I, I am a big proponent for the ladies. I, I couldn't push hard enough for my wife as she's coming up and through the ranks and doing everything that she's done. I mean, God, I can't say enough. So. Uh, but it would go on your- yeah, so the, so being gone for 21 days a time, and then you'd have a day of travel from back wherever we you were from to a day of travel back to where you went to, you know, you're talking, you're only having five days at home. It's. I mean, it was. It's tough. Sacrifice, it is tough. commitment. Oh, tons of sacrifice.
0: Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of blind faith involved there mm-hmm. uh, on both parts. Both parts. You know? uh,
2: same with and then the kids having to learn. You know. Uh, you oh. know, dad being gone and being. You know. See,
0: I traveled in my twenties. Okay, mm-hmm. so in my former life, that's how I like to refer to it. <laughs> in my former life, back when print was around, before it was you know a homeless blanket. The newspaper oh. was just not a oh.
2: homeless blanket. Yeah, it was actually, yeah.
0: I There was two years where I traveled uh, 42 weeks a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you figure out that there's 52 weeks in a year, there's Thanksgiving, there's Easter, there's Fourth of July, there's Memorial Day, there's Labor Day. I mean, when you start really thinking about some like major holidays where they shut offices and, and things down to where if you're in sales, they're dead. Oh yeah, they're dead times.
2: Yeah, people are going. Why are you here?
0: (laughs) You you try to call on anybody for business between Christmas and New Year's. You are wasting your time.
2: But the guys are still on location.
0: But the guys working are absolutely. But if you're in sales, oh yeah, that's that's dead time. You, I mean, take take your vacation then and really enjoy life. Yeah, and so. When I, for me, I traveled 42 weeks a year. So when you think about those dead times for sales, because what I did was we, we had a publishing business. Okay. Mm -hmm. We had a magazine. Yeah. And what we did is we turned the magazine into an insert in the newspaper. So the newspaper at that time, and this was back when, you know, we had about a 10 year shelf life when this worked and then it has since gone away. But, um, the magazine, the magazine was a high-end real estate magazine, so they would essentially get the, the millionaire builder or the million-dollar million home mm. on the cover. Oh, sure. Okay? But the rest of the magazine was us. So we would take their local story, localize the magazine, but the rest was national. Mm. Okay? But they didn't really know that because the ads were local that the newspaper sold. Oh. And the newspaper kept the revenue, and they just paid us a commission for, the, for doing the, the deal. So it was a win-win-win, right? Because sure. now a newspaper had three hours of a shelf life, they say. Sure. So when the newspaper gets picked up and read three hours later, it's in the trash. Magazines stick around for months. Oh, sure. You know, coffee tables and et cetera. So the real estate industry, because it's such a high price volume... It's not an impulse decision like a sale at the car lot mm. or a sale at the at the furniture store or the donut shop that the it's newspapers advertise. Right? Yeah, it's, it's what they do. You know? Yeah. It's, it's It's no, no, no. Yeah. Magazines are about class, about intelligence, about image. So it worked for the Homes and Gardens, if you will. You sure. Know? And the newspapers could never. So it was non-traditional advertising. So anyway, I met with newspapers, and forty-two weeks a year. And then 36 and 28. So wow. for seven years, I traveled. Okay. I was done, man. Yeah. So I had no problem staying home with my kid. <laughs> had no problem staying home, but it did cost me a lot of potential dollars. Sure. Uh, because, you know, it, it, it's very much an industry where you feel like if you're not at the event, you may miss a contract. Hmm, absolutely. And so Matt, Matt Hill... We appreciate you driving home and being with your family last night.
2: Oh man, he did, absolutely, yeah, uh, he, did, he did great. Yeah, he's doing so much for his family and for the kids. I mean, he's he's really busting his butt out there. And uh, so yeah, and he started over. I mean, that's uh, a. What do you uh, mean started over? Yeah, as a one year old. So is, is he one? Almost two now. Oh wow! I didn't realize he was that young. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he is a brave man. I'm surprised
0: uh, he even came to Tulsa. Then
2: I salute him every day. <laughs>
0: That's mm-hmm. that's commitment there. Yes. Well, good for him though for getting into you know being a dad again. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed the heck out of being a dad. I mean, oh. I would do it all over again. I don't know if I really mean that, but I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm. Oh yeah. I don't want to say grandparent because I'm not that old. Although looking at some photos of myself lately, I got to get a tan, man. This gray hair <laughs> coming in. I'm looking like Skeletor. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a little
2: pale. Oh, you know, oh, got to get boy. outside more. Getting that Dakota snow look. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to blend in. Good. so uh, Stay down here in Oklahoma. We'll take you out somewhere. All
0: right. Before we take a break here, we got just a couple minutes left. I do want to ask you about your business you got with your kid because you actually do a business with your kid. So you're a family man. Absolutely. You've Your kid's now at an age where, I joke because my 14-year-old, soon to be 15, a year and a half ago when he was right around 12-ish- I couldn't go to the bathroom without him coming in and sitting down. And hey, Dad, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, he wanted to, everything, everything. Nothing. So yeah.
2: he just want know. to tell you his day, his yeah. life
0: story. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't. I walk in the room and he rolls his eyes. So I'm ATM, Uber, and the landlord. That's it.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, right. That's uh, yeah. all I am. Yeah, you're his, you're his bank account. <laughs>
0: 16 they got wheels
2: oh man friends with wheels yeah oh mine
0: has wheels yeah so so uber's gonna go away i understand atm's gonna get ramped up oh god landlord's gonna become part-time at best oh yeah (laughs) that's why
2: you get them a bicycle okay right well
0: i i was pretty i'm in good shape because our place is the sleepover place it's the flop pad but then COVID happened Oh yeah. And now it's just, you know, lucky if we can have a sleepover once a month
2: with oh. my kids, you know. And oh, I know. Well, mine being 16 and driving, I mean, it's kind of they do a lot of stuff at church or they'll do the things with the with the YouTube channel and uh go and shoot video and stuff like that. So, it's so been, they're
0: staying active and productive in a kind of
2: uh in an outdoor way. Yeah. So, what's the name of the YouTube channel? Okay, so it's Outdoor Ventures. LLC, not adventures. Yeah, just ventures, ventures. with a V. Yep. Like
0: venture capitalists, like
2: a venture capitalist. There you go. Okay. Outdoor Ventures LLC, and uh, if you just uh, if you Google Outdoor Ventures LLC, Oklahoma. It'll pull ours up out of everybody's. We'll have uh, the
0: link on the show page as well. So if you'd like to go there and link right to there. But what is it?
2: So I started it when we got laid off, you know, being gone from my, my kid as much as I had been. It was awesome to start the show to something that we had already been doing anyway. We had always been big outdoor enthusiasts. And so we were like, you know what? Uh, while I'm down, I'm going to be a dad. I'm going to spend time with the family. And, and we started this YouTube channel. We actually registered it as an LLC with the state of Oklahoma. And we do anything that's outdoors, which you've probably seen the jump into Mondays and, uh, you know, everything else that we're doing. But we it doesn't matter if it's sports. It doesn't matter if it's uh, skate parks. doesn't matter if it's uh, – Paragliding behind a ATV in the sand dunes of Oklahoma—no uh, pun intended—that really did happen. We actually pulled me with a parachute behind a uh, oh, wow. an ATV, yeah UTV and parachuted behind it while we were driving that's so a,
0: that's viral worthy
2: oh yeah a lot of fun uh we've done skimming on the waters with uh snowboards uh and uh then we got uh the side by sides and excited and so they would try and skim across the water and try and see if they could actually float on top and or hydroplane so yeah we've done a lot of cool things and uh so we shoot over the weekend or, or the week if you're off for the thing and uh, then we, uh, my son actually uh, chops it all up, puts it to music, and then uh, posts it on his YouTube channel. And uh, so it's been great. Actually, we just got a new artist. I'll, I'll give a shout out. His name's Q Money. Uh, he's on SoundCloud, uh, but he's, a, uh, he's an artist. He does, uh, he does a lot of rap and hip hop in Oklahoma. Are we now to Q in the alphabet is the new
0: prefix? Yep, Q Money. I've heard this several times now. That's right. okay. Okay, so it started with G Money.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, there you the go. X,
0: and the X factor, the X extreme. You yeah, know? X gonna give it to so you. So we're
2: finally to Q, okay. All yeah, right. we're down to Q, Q money. Well, we had P-Dog I, for a while. Yeah, and that, oh, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Making our way through the alphabet, folks. <laughs> so he does a great job, and so you actually are, the one that we just dropped that jumped into Monday, uh, this Monday, we actually used his song, uh, a clip from his song. Uh, we He was like, yeah, man, go for it. I'd love for to be on your video, and so... It was pretty cool. So, getting a good outreach from from all sides. So, outdoor venture. outdoor venture with a V, and that is anything outdoor, anything.
0: Yeah, I, here I was thinking camping right away.
2: Yeah, no, we do camping too, but that's just one part, just one. Well, uh,
0: you might do a skate park. You
2: said, yeah, oh yeah, we did it's outdoors. Uh huh we just did a skate park a whole bunch of kids are excited for my uh for my son to put a video together because they did this montage where they all jumped this one jump and uh and so they just went one right after the other after the other after the other it was cool frackleberry hound our mascot she
0: is a great jumper
2: oh yeah we're
0: gonna have to next time we ride through town we're gonna come through and uh we'll video frackleberry at the dog park
2: Yes, we met at the dog. We got to do it. Time. Yeah, we did. We need to do a jump in Monday with and, her. Oh,
0: she can jump over my shoulder. No. Oh, she can jump high. Oh, I oh, know in definitely. In fact, uh, the mayor of Bismarck trains dogs. No. Oh, it's so weird because, like, out of all the different odd connections. We have this like passion for dogs, but his passion is to where he brings dogs to like dog shows, like best of show Whoa. dog shows, like show dogs. Yeah, like I didn't know this. Like no, I look, I look at him different now because of it. Like
2: we're like, Whoa. what? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! My mom used to do that stuff. It's, That's it's like, like
0: like you collect
2: cookie jars you know just something that's like, like really bizarre like that like what now yeah. okay you're the best well, of show
0: dogs because okay. i told them, i said i go frackleberry hound is amazing i go you would not believe her jumping ability like she can jump over my shoulder and i, I said i want to enter into her those contests where they bring them to agility good places and they watch how far the dog can jump into the pool and stuff you know yeah people love that and oh. I'm, like, I'm going this dog could do it and i started showing it to people and they're like absolutely and stuff and so what? we got to bring her down she <sighs> frackleberry hound jump into monday
2: okay deal totally a
0: deal oh, i'm so all about fact. it i'll show you during a commercial break too just okay. real easy stuff she dances too like the old carnival dogs with the paws and yeah stuff. yeah we'll have to do that and okay that that, as well that,
2: you're gonna have to show me that frackleberry all hound. right so okay jump into monday is what now so, jump into money was just a little clip that uh, it's part of Outdoor Ventures. Um, I started oh, it doing it in uh, yeah, I did it for our Oldfield community. So it's like a it's like an advertisement. Yeah, it's kind of a little snippet. So like you don't get the whole YouTube channel. It's just a quick little thing. And it started because you know kids and being a dad, they always want to try and challenge you, you know. And I see he goes, I don't think you could jump over that little creek, and that's how it kind of started. Well, he filmed it in slow mo. And oh I had God. no idea he was doing that. Well, then he gets done, and uh, and he was like, "One, Dad, you're totally awesome," which was like the best part ever, right? And so I made it. And then he was like, "This video is awesome." And so we thought, you know, how it would be cool to tie it in with our oil and gas industry friends and say, "Hey, you know, let's do a jump into Monday and just literally, you know, so many times we've gotten on these." Conference calls or Zoom calls or on these, you know, very engineering long, you know, um, meetings. And it's like, you know, I just want something a little fun from somebody that's already in the industry. And uh, so I put that out there, and it kind of it started to take off. You know, I had people asking, you know, when are you going to do another one? Well, now I'm actually doing a science behind the jump. Oh, and I'm getting some of our engineers involved. Uh, we posted one of those about two weeks ago. Uh, big shout-out to Fred Sexton. He was a big engineer for a uh, for a firm in Oklahoma City, and um, so he's, he's actually currently looking for work again. But he came out with us and actually did all the math on what it took to make some of the jumps that I've already done. And so he actually did all the math behind it, and uh, it was really neat. I mean, it, it actually gets everyone involved of like, Okay, now I see where these jump into Mondays make sense and it all comes together now. So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. He even brought his kids out too, so.
0: Do you uh do you ever check to see what websites your kid looks at or All the time. Okay. Um are you familiar with the show Jackass? Yes. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> you may wanna, you know, see if your son's been getting any inspiration from that before oh, any jump that man. you're gonna do because if you're filming it.
2: <laughs> he's the one filming. He won't get in front of the camera. I can't if, get him to do it. If you're the one <laughs> jumping and he's filming,
0: all I got to say is that at some point, someone gets something in the groin. Oh, That's yeah. I, I,
2: I'm waiting for him to throw something at it. That's all. Oh, I, no. yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. You
0: don't have to throw nothing. You're going <laughs> to land
2: on it. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, actually, my wife was the one who made me land, uh, made me break my leg the, on the one of them anyway. So you broke your leg on one of them? Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a science on it, too. But I literally Literally jumped off of like a 13 foot little waterfall cliff thing that my wife is like oh this would look great and it was it was a good show and i walked away and then about 10 yards later i literally couldn't walk and uh, i had fractured my tibia i didn't realize so.
0: you got to check your wife's
2: Craziness too. Yeah, you know, her, yeah. her websites. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I, yeah. I she might so. have been the one watching she'd Jackass going.
0: Go She's be, <laughs> be watching Bear Grylls, apparently. <laughs> hey, by the way, this is laughing. Bear Grylls has a whole staff that checks out to see if there's boulders underneath the cliff before they drive. Oh, no. And he stays at the embassy suites. Uh,
2: so. Yeah, take take note, honey, please. <laughs> I, I don't want to break another leg.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll be right back here, folks
1: all right well, i'm doing okay well, i'm here for the moment you know and then i'm on my way well, i came and i said what i have to say i just assume be on my way interested in becoming a sponsor email studio at the crude Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody Riverbank. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. is sponsored in part by... Absolute
0: Energy Field Products and Services. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services is an engineering, design, and manufacturer of oil and gas production equipment, refining, and petrochemical processing equipment. They manufacture the equipment with the highest standards... As per ASME Boiler and Pressure Vessel Code, Section 8, Division 1, and can be designed, fabricated, and tested in accordance with NACE standards. Absolute Energy Field Products and Services. For more information, check out their website, absoluteenergyfield.com. That's absoluteenergyfield.com.
1: The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by American Directional Driller. Especially designed for the American
0: Directional Driller to measure bottom hole assembly equipment up to 40 feet. As of release, this product is unmatched in the marketplace. This heavy duty 40 foot tape measure has three measurement scales on an extra-wide blade. Pick up this 40-foot tape measure at Amazon.com or be sure to check out their website, AmericanDirectionalDriller.com. The Industrial Forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com.
1: That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
0: Joe, Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Ken Lavin What's sitting up? in for Sterling, who's back home doing his domestic duties. He doesn't get to come play in our reindeer games. Frackleberry Hound just tried to get some leftover Indian food for me, and now she's getting a nice little rub. There we go. Oh, you submitted her. <laughs> Look at her. She's down. Oh, she's so precious. All right, so what are we going to talk about next? Well, we're going to talk about a couple of things. First of all, we're going to talk about Fossil Fuel Fridays, and, and I want you folks to know all about Fossil Fuel Fridays and the good work that Ken and Matt Hill are doing. They've kind of taken on an uh, interesting, and it's it's getting followed, and people notice it. And I imagine you guys are having some growing pains, too.
2: And <laughs> we are. We are. We're growing uh, daily. We uh constantly getting called for uh different interviews and just trying to are people calling you now yeah uh, and and matt myself never mind i take back
0: the growing pain story whatever no it's still gonna start consulting (laughs) soon no
2: no it's it's actually it's a great thing it's a great problem to have and it's uh uh the great part i'd love to say is thanks to the guys that are reaching out and wanting us uh, wanting to be on the show and uh More importantly, uh, thank you for working around uh, our busy schedules. Like I said, I'm with Winter Mud, Drilling Mud Company, and so uh, they're working around me being available, and same with uh, uh, Matt with Night Energy Tools. So it's been... What it's, is winter mud? So winter mud is actually a drilling... The name. Mud. Yeah, winter mud. Where does winter come from specifically? The Let's last right. name. Okay, you're going to go right to it. Is it the last name? It is the last oh, name of the owner. it's not like oh, yeah. some cold weather thing? No, huh? No antifreeze in it or anything like All that. Right. You know, you're good. It doesn't have All a... Right, uh, go back to fossil fuels. <laughs> I'm bored now. Okay, I thought no. it was
0: something like interesting beyond... But like, I will say this.
2: They started back in 82. Related to Jonathan Winters. Oh, way back SC. then. Now I yeah, there you go.
0: Answered my own question there. Okay, uh,
2: there you go. <laughs> but yeah, they've been around forever. Great mud engineers, uh, amazing uh, technical team. So you what? Can't uh,
0: what areas? What shale plays? Uh,
2: they are all over Oklahoma, uh, Kansas. Uh, Kansas, Texas Panhandle. Uh, that's where they've really been known for. If you mention winter mud when you're in Kansas or in Texas Panhandle, Railroad District Ten you will definitely know who winter mud is railroad district 10 yeah absolutely and then south uh southeast uh colorado did a little work there and uh so big shout out to them we even have a little sister company down in the permian
0: southeast colorado yeah that's like uh trinidad and yeah yeah okay what's what's there they do an oil and gas there.
2: Oh man, that was years before I even okay, came along. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. Man, I thought
0: that was like current. Okay. Oh, huh? No, it's been a while. I'm gonna say, boy, I would. I know a big coal area there. Yeah, Trinidad was and a then, big coal co- uh, town.
2: It was. Yeah. And then you've got, the uh, and then we got our sister company down uh, Buckeye, down in the Permian. So Buckeye, yeah, not I mean, in Ohio, not in not Ohio. In Marcellus Shale. No, no, <laughs> that would make too much sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a good fit, though, wouldn't it? So up in the the
0: the Marcellus Utica up there in Ohio, what do you got? The Longhorns, uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> right. You put you put just, the Buckeye just down in Texas <laughs> and put the Longhorns up in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, switching out the teams here. That's right.
0: <laughs> Kate uh, Hornbrook laughed at that joke because she's from Ohio. Outside of that, people are like, "What now?" Yeah, I don't get it. He said sports was on Friday <laughs> only. Yeah. Well, we'd boring. like to talk sports, 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 sports on Friday. So important, you got to say it five times. Oh, right. So right that's right. how important sports is. And
2: underline sports three times. Yeah. So sports is underlined three times. You, three times of sports is sports. You
0: know sports. And, okay. You got it. So, okay.
2: So winter mud is winter, your day job.
0: It is my day job. That is what yeah, I, I do. We talked about your hobby in the last section mm-hmm. a segment with your kid, which is you know. Yeah. Slowly but surely, hopefully, one day being a father son business when your son is probably in his 20s. Or oh, something. of
2: course. Always. It's a long play.
0: <laughs> yeah. I didn't say long little... con. I said yeah. long play. No, uh, understatement. <laughs> understatement. If
2: he wants to make it big, it's his choice. <laughs>
0: is that the truth?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You know, I keep telling it to my kid. You start a Twitch channel, man. You start this and that. We'll promote it. We'll figure it out. I'll even be there behind the camera. Yeah. Nah, we just want to
2: watch this and that. No, I just want to be a bum dad. Nah. <laughs> I tell him I said, Don't be part don't be watching the videos, be the videos. That's
0: what I always say too. See? I, I say, you know what, you guys could put a video up of you guys just sitting around doing nothing. And yeah. people would apparently watch that. Oh yeah yeah what is up with now i think okay how old are you
2: i i what <sighs> decade are you in okay i'm
0: 38 oh you're not that old okay yeah. I'm, I'm in four doesn't matter okay uh, yeah. what'd you what say, was that last what'd number 40 right, they don't even care <laughs> yeah, what comes no. after that it could be 41 or 49 it's the same
2: does it count if i if i married somebody way older than me
0: well, no, that's just oh, cool. Okay. That's all. Do
2: I get cool points for that? Of course. Okay, all right. It's like Mrs. Robinson
0: cool points. <laughs> no. Not that little bit.
2: Fossil Fuel Fridays has been great, and Matt and Kimberly Smith, everyone together, has just been really, really working it. So, Kimberly Smith does talk Texas oil. Mm-hmm.
0: And, okay, we just want to give her a shout-out as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Since we brought her name into the conversation.
2: Yeah, she's the one who found uh, found Matt, and then she found me through the jump into Mondays and everything else and thought that I was probably the weirdest, most intriguing individual. So that it definitely fits with Matt by far. So
0: Fossil Fuel Fridays, um, the way I describe it to people, is a weekly webisode. There you go. Okay. Available
2: on YouTube and LinkedIn. Yep. And then all your other social medias. Okay. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Oh, no kidding.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, is it. Hashtag Fossil Fuel Fridays on all these other locations, or is there a different site? Or So
2: those typically are through uh, our name. So they'll be Matt Hill or Ken Lavin. Okay, and so you haven't graduated to the total conformity yet. No, but I so will So you don't say have a sponsor is what, what I'm hearing. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we do have a... Uh, I will say that we are in talks right now to get it to be... Uh, official 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 so this is a it's i can't i can't give it away yet but it's uh it's coming up very quickly oh so, that's cool no that's yeah. great
0: no i mean because that, that's where they dude, they just printed seven trillion dollars half the podcasts in america should have a pot should have a sponsor by now oh you're right i mean i'm being totally serious i mean you got the jacksonville jaguars owner tony singh or whatever his name is chic Tony Sheik, he's doing fu money to the WWE now, signing all kinds of contract. <laughs> he brought in the Big Show, and
2: no, and, oh yeah,
0: he's trying to revive that old uh, NWO WWE rivalry again. And so when I started seeing that, the uh, like I say, the fu money's coming out. Oh yeah, yeah, people got money to spend, folks. Wow, people got money to spend now. Not everybody okay. does. No.
2: Well, if they do, hey, I've got something that they could definitely get behind if they wanted to. are
0: you? So you guys are looking for a sponsor?
2: We are. We okay, actually, no, this
0: is for Fossil Fuel Friday's
2: sponsor. Yeah, Fossil Fuel Friday sponsor. Pitch it out, baby. Okay. Pitch it out. All right. So Fossil Fuel Friday's as a whole, yes. And then also uh, to go into that, we really want to try and get something that would really bring our industry to the forefront and something that I've been watching for years and years and always wanted to be a part of is the Gumball 3000. Okay, now Gumball 3000. 3000. is
0: that the new Nickelodeon show with uh, the banana and the rabbit? and Because the... that's Gumball 2000. <laughs> okay,
2: hold on. I'm going to think something in your t- in time. How about the Cannonball Run? Now, no, you're an asshole. What you In my time, that was before. Oh, my I time. did it. I did sure. it. Oh, I bring
0: it up. Not that old. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, but I. Okay, now I'm getting you. Yes. Uh, Cannonball run. One? Um. Yeah. Rat
2: race. Yes. Rat race. Okay. Yes. It,
0: uh, mad, 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 mad world is another one. Yeah. Okay, and and Maximilian, uh, Ma- what is it,
2: Maximilian? That was uh, another one?
0: Yeah. So it's it's been kind of a, a reoccurring movie like uh, um, what's a, a Star is Born, right? Yeah. So that's been redone five, six times. Mm-hmm. Um, Cannonball Run, Mad, 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 Mad World, Rat Race. Mm-hmm. This is like real life is what you're saying? Real life. Okay, so it's not the Nickelodeon cartoon. no.
2: No. Real yeah, I, deal. I, I, I mean, you're going to have amazing cars, amazing sponsors, and you know I thought it would okay. be great to go ahead.
0: So it's cars.
2: It is cars, and so Not I gumballs. No, the real nice cars. Okay, I'm strike two on my yeah. assumptions. So going from Toronto, Canada, okay, uh, and then traveling all the way to Havana, Georgia. Ah, nope, Cuba. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this is like an Ironman race. Yes. You got to go over water. Yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> now why are you bringing this up, by the way? I brought it up because I thought it would be a great thing to really inundate our industry into mainstream. Uh, oh. And, yeah. So this tr- is something you're doing. Uh, yeah, I really, I, I say I really want to. I'm in discussions right now, but you have to. Entry fee is a little, little up there. But that's uh, that's what I want to do. I want to get with uh, well, another start company, some Toronto. Yeah, starting drive cars, drive cars, what first kind of cars. Uh, so I told them, and I sent them a couple of photos of ideas that I have in mind. And I would love to, and this is going to be a first. No one's even heard this yet. I would love to get the Diesel Brothers to make a truck for this. You want to do a truck? I want to do a truck. I mean, you got to represent the oil and gas industry with a truck. I mean, you know, you you got to get in there. And so I thought, what better way to make a truck? truck A diesel truck. Right. And actually, yeah. And it even gets to be the first stop when you go from Toronto. The first stop that night will be at the Indianapolis 500. And so they'll have all the cars there, 126 cars on display. And you, we could potentially be the one of those cars.
0: Wait, you got to go from Toronto to Indianapolis? Yeah, that's
2: first night. And then you're going to end up in Cuba? Uh-huh. So you got to drive nearly Where are you going the next night? So the next night, I got to look at the Wait, how map. many
0: miles was it? You said 500 from Toronto to uh, Indianapolis? Like Is that right?
2: Yeah, I think it's like 528 miles. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I know Toronto's on the border, right? It's pretty yeah, close. pretty anyways. close. It's very close.
2: But then, uh, but then the big thing, uh, and it won't be until May twenty twenty two. COVID shot. Anyway, I don't get it. Yeah, that. never mind. So May twenty twenty two is when it goes off. And what's neat is that this year, no, next year, okay, it'll be in a year. So we've got time. And once we get done with the run, I want to take that truck and go to every drilling rig that's up right now and actually meet all the guys that are on the rigs that are doing what they do to to keep our industry running here in america and they can get to be with that truck that actually was on that cannonball run now your background prior
0: previous to oil and gas hmm. was monster trucks
2: was i did monster trucks uh along with oil and gas same so time so is this
0: going to be a monster truck
2: it will be a big truck. Uh if anyone, not quite the
0: monster, but maybe like the baby monster. Baby
2: monster, baby yeah. Baby Godzilla. Yeah, like a mini Zilla. Will right. be, yeah, it'll be like uh if you if you ever Google or look up a uh, Chevrolet Kodiak or a GMC Top Kick, that's the pictures I sent him, or an F six fifty. It's like a miniature semi truck and uh but with some big tires on it and making it look Have good. Have
0: you ever seen those little triangles driving down the road? Triangles. Well, they're like little cars, but they look like triangles. They're, oh, yeah, like a smart car? Whatever. I don't know what they're called. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's a Chevy Volt or what it is, but they're very small. It's like a two-door. It's like a, smaller than a Geo Metro. Like I pulled one out of the grill once. Okay. It, yeah. it's. <laughs> I saw one driving down the um, it's Highway 75 the other day, right? Yes. Right? I was on 75. And okay. There's a lot of semis on Highway 75.
2: A ton of semis. A
0: lot of semis. Okay. Yeah. Highway 75 comes down from Topeka, Kansas, mm-hmm. actually Omaha, but Topeka, Kansas, straight down to basically Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? Okay. And holy smokes, a lot of semis. But this little triangle came driving down the road. I swear to, I I, I don't swear, but I will. Sure. You would. promise. Yeah, yeah. There are tires bigger on the trucks, bigger than these cars. Yeah, these little smart, efficient, n- no gas car. Well, I mean, that that can't be safe. Oh. So my question is: Is your tires in the car going to be bigger than <laughs> those little triangle cars? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: We might have one as a spinner inside the rim. There you
0: go. That's exactly <laughs> that's, oh yeah. There we go. Now we're talking. This isn't a bad idea, though. This is kind of you know the shale play USA concept. Drive around.
2: You know, bring, hey, you can have a barbecue in the back and grill some stuff up. Absolutely. And the big thing about this, so they, so Gumball 3000 has several, um, charities that they do. And part of, kind of like in racing, you have a pole position, right? And you can raise money for, uh, whoever raises the most money for those, uh, charities gets the higher pole position. But in talking with the officials out of, uh, out of London, they said that we can actually promote uh, any of our oil and gas um, charities that we would like to as well along the way. So how cool would it be to be able to get uh, some of these charities that are trying to raise money, we can actually present and show them on the, on the tour and on this, uh, on this drive. So I, I think it's got a lot of win-wins. I know it's completely crazy and out of the norm, but I think that's what the oil and gas industry needs is to get into the mainstreams. I mean, we're there. We're talking. I, I think um, who was it? Usher was on this uh, tour once. Uh, David Hasselhoff is on this. Uh, I think Jay Z was on there once. Um, a lot of big stars have uh, have been on this, and but there's not been a lot of integration from oil and gas into that side. And so I think this would be a great way to be hand-in-hand hand and show, you know, hey, this uh, we'd, we would want to be here. I want to so. validate
0: what you're talking about, because when the college bowl games were playing, mm-hmm. I uh, wanted to do a segment, a uh, trivia segment, actually, or just a talker segment, as we call it in the biz, talker segment, about past bowl games sponsored by oil and gas companies. And I I, I went and I found a a website. I think it was a Wikipedia website that listed all the bowl games. Okay. From I think 1988 to current when they started sponsoring the the bowl games. And there, I don't even think there was three. I don't even think there was three oil and gas companies total, not Exxon, not BP, not Shell, no. I mean, and we're not even talking about the, the little regional guys here, whatever Jerry Jones's company is. Mm-hmm. And I know there, there's, there was a concerted effort not to do public relations. I do know that by the oil and gas industry. But at the same time, you did funnel a lot of money to government affairs, and your government affairs became your PR wing because the politicians now started speaking on your behalf. Oh, that's the truth. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've, it's true. It's damn true. I've heard that a lot. And oh I, no, I've, it's true.
2: Yeah, and I've heard that uh, multiple times in in our interviews and different things. And I'm like, you know, it. And it, it's. I understand that avenue, but I also, you know. Uh, Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma came out with a great video, Uh shout out to them for sure. Um, but they had a great video of talking about how our industry it, is, it a, is it a rough story? Absolutely. Is it, have we had a rough past? Absolutely. But we also haven't taken that initiative to switch over to the other side. We haven't, taking those chances to, to take those talks, you know, and have that integration kind of like Aubrey McClendon did uh, involved in a, in a lot of things, you know? And so doing the gumball and uh, you know, the different other things, I feel like that's kind of this kind of handoff, this well, new integration. Again. Th- the
0: reason I brought up the bowl games and the reason I brought up the, the PR and the government relations and all this other stuff is because it's time it is it, no it's time i mean we talk about the great reset and everything else that's coming out of washington and, and, and conspiracy theories and you know everything else either way the great reset when it comes to oil and gas companies is maybe you should sponsor a bowl game next year
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: i mean tax did one year or some weird name like that sure and what happened there is a Seventeen thousand people in Boise, Idaho, wherever the hell that game was. All they heard was TaxSlayer.com and a positive experience. They walked away with a positive experience. Why do you think we got the championship belt? Do you yeah. think it's because we're, we're we're sane? No, it's because kids walk away with a smile on their face, thinking the crude life. And guess what? The name, the crude life. It's pretty direct what we do. We're not we're not hiding what no. we do. With the crude, when we get invited to a parade, they know damn well they're getting an oil and gas person. Absolutely.
2: Okay? Absolutely.
0: And, but they also know that person's going to be fun and they're going to be non-confrontational, and they're going to bring a dog.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the same thing, the The kids are going to like them. Yeah, and you know, the gumball is the same way they actually interviewed and was wanting to know about us. And he said, you specifically said in your application, oil and gas. And he goes, I want to hear about it. And that's what we want to do. We want to be able to hear about it and talk about it. That's the other thing. People outside the
0: industry... I've heard this over and over again. Have tried to reach out to the industry, but the industry is too busy building silos. Yeah, too busy staying in their country club, so they don't want to engage with people outside the industry. I think that's a mistake.
2: It is. I just met with a marketing company out of San Diego, and uh, just last week, and they were talking about, you know, how everything that went down in Texas, right? And they were like, you know, how are you doing in Oklahoma? And you know, since we've had all these, you know, brownouts here in California, no, we we want to know more about your industry. He's like, tell me more about what you guys do. You know, he's like, I feel like we just haven't got to have that representative, that person that we can have a sit down conversation. You know, and and be able to talk about both sides and ha- you know, lack, lack of a better term, you know, extend a hand across the the aisle, so to speak. So here's here's in my opinion what happened.
0: Okay, up till about the 1970s and 80s, Hollywood, Mm. pop culture, Mm -hmm. and the social narrative was very positive to oil and gas. Very. Wildcatters, rags to riches. You go back and take a look at the—I implore and challenge each and every one of you to Google the top 10, top 50, top whatever movies in oil and gas, okay? Go ahead and look at it and you'll see that there is a unique trend from when movies started, say 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, Mm -hmm. to when they started becoming mainstream with, with actual sound. All of the oil and gas ones were very positive. They were about rags to riches, wildcatters turn good, people building communities.
2: The hillbillies, Uh, the TV show. That
0: was more of a comedy one, Sure, but it actually really didn't have much to do with oil and gas. It had to do with Beverly Hills Mm -hmm. and people in oil and gas getting money being dumb mother effers. (laughs) Okay. So it was a very transitional, safe oil and gas, but it really didn't have much to do with oil and gas except money.
2: And then Hellfighters. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. That was... Uh, wasn't that the one with um, John Wayne? Okay. Yep. Okay. No. Now I am. Yep. Um,
0: I was thinking maybe Dallas was probably the last hurrah for oil and gas. Uh, there you go. And, and that was about it. And then after that, they started becoming more negative. Hmm. And all of a sudden, there was a social kind of engineering behind the Hollywood narrative behind oil and gas. Okay. Now... I, I think that's that is a problem because then what happened is the politicians and the and the elected officials and the lobbyists started becoming the PR people. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden now, gun control and right to lo- right to life and, and uh, uh, so th- th- those those blue and red social issues got lumped in renewable. Oil and gas. Mm. So now when you're having an oil and gas conversation, you're really having a gun control, a right to life. Uh, uh, do I go to church on Sunday? I mean, it's all kinds of arguments. Yeah, that you're tied even, into you're just... You're not even having it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And then to even get a bill passed, you're having to agree to do some of that other stuff that you're talking about just to be able to get this one part that really that the you know the economy needs or that the the us needs but in turn we're having to like gobble up and eat some of this other just to get it approved and it's like oh it's it is so tough to hear some of the the backstory of what you're talking about and some of the some of the things that are going on in that it's not just oil and gas anymore it's more to it
0: I I, I think it's quite honest if you just take a look at the body of work hmm. and I've, i brought this in fact a little preview here hmm. this is what i one of the questions i asked jerry simmons president and ceo of depa domestic energy producers alliance we talked about leadership in oil and gas okay think about this by the way he's got a board member on depa Mm-hmm. Who also sits on a board of API? Woo. Right, right. They're at ideological crossroads to where DEPA sent out a letter challenging API, and they've got leadership people that are sitting on both sides of the fence here. Mm. And we talked. We talked about that too. Woo. Oh yeah, I mean, that's a hot topic right oh, now. Oh yeah. You know, your your cohort, your partner, Matt Hill. Oh yeah. Well, he sits on API OKC, mm-hmm. the board of OKC. In fact, he sits on about 15 boards. Oh, no,
2: yeah. High nails there. on him right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing great. Doing great. Keep it going, Matt. Sit there too long. Keep Woo! going. Keep going. <laughs> that
0: one went a little too far in. But take a look at the last 10 years since I've been in this industry. When mm. I started in this industry 10 years ago, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm asking leaders this now. Yeah. Because the body of work is done. Mm-hmm. There has been a lot of people in power that are still there after 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I believe they have some explaining to do. Sure. Okay. Because when I got into this, plastic straws and plastic bags and gas prices was it. Yeah. Paper, or plastic. Oh, well, plastic bags are better for the environment than paper bags because of cutting down trees and the transportation block. Well, then what we found out was that really a thicker plastic works best, and we call them a reusable bag. Mm-hmm. It's a synthetic fiber, and all you hippies, if you want hemp, go nuts. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But reusable bags kind of actually surfaced in the end. Yeah. We still got the other options, but th- that argument kind of, the marketplace took care of it along with industry and everybody else. Yeah. So now when we go to uh, straws, Hawaii and and the coast took care of that. They just said, no more plastic straws. You got to buy for a buck a reusable straw right here in in the moment. And we live in a culture where you can do that. Mm -hmm. When I was in Hawaii, I bought three, four of them right in the spot. We didn't use them. My kid uses them and his friends use them now. (laughs) But my point is, is that that really kind of took care of that problem. Gas prices... Tough shit, folks. That's just up and down. It's going to happen. You know that's that's the way it goes. I I think that's probably the most unpredictable thing. I've never figured that whole gas oh, price thing out. And it's
2: getting to where the the lows, the highs, and lows are closer together now. So that was ten years ago.
0: That was really about it. That no. was that was the complaints of the industry. Outside of that, the oil and gas industry at that time mm-hmm. really wasn't political. No. Okay, not too much. And that was after the BP spill, by the way. Yeah. Okay, and Exxon. But my whole thing, and what I truly believe is that Exxon and BP, the amount of things that were done after to correct what happened. uh, Okay. Yeah. Move on. Oh, they were so awesome. That's called evolution, folks. Okay. So we go from plastic bags and straws and gas prices to, I was in Colorado and I'd stay in Fort Collins and I talked to people in the breakfast bar and they would all of a sudden, seven years ago, Start looking over their shoulder before they said they worked in oil and gas. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, why, why aren't they just openly saying this? Okay, this is odd. Well, then all of a sudden the next year, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren start talking about we're going to ban oil and gas. I'm mm. like, okay, what? this is now on a public platform at mm. a presidential level. Now, these aren't presidential candidates, but they are keep getting invited to the debate, so eventually this is going to make its way in. So I started adding this to my speaking circuits. Well, all of a sudden now this AOC comes out and then something called the Green New Deal. I didn't I didn't even know AOC was a person. Yeah. I honestly I didn't know cuz we got rid of our TV in 2006. I don't have any, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> I don't care. Right? If I need to know the news I'll call the guy. Right? <laughs> I'm in the media for crying out loud. Right? The Green New Deal, what the f is this? <laughs> all this is is just jumping on a solution that was already being taken care of. Yeah. If you go take a look at the last 150 years, we've been decarbonizing fine before the Sierra Club or Greta Thunberg came along.
2: Oh, and they've done, what was it? They've already moved uh, 50% or more already?
0: Uh, Sure. All I know is that it's a trend that's been increasing to the positive long before the Sierra Club came along. So we don't need them to say, oh, you're not doing it good enough. We don't need Greta to say, Oh, we need, you know, do, you got to do it better. Actually, no, it's it's actually doing pretty good. Yeah. Have you taken a look at a, what a natural gas hydrocarbon is? It's like four, four dirty carbons and that's it. And oh, oh, by the way, carbon is also the building block of life. All right. So let me know what else we got here. So then we got the presidential platform. We got what's going on right now. Joe Biden and public conversation to where last October, The Texas Railroad Commission was going to jump in and control production, if you remember. I remember that. Well, API came (laughs) out and said, no, 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 no. Mike Summers, API. So, right. Mm. Matt Gallagher, CEO of Parsley Energy, who's then filed for bankruptcy and been bought out. Yeah. But he didn't mention that at the time. (laughs) When he was on CNBC, he said, well, maybe they should come in and control production. Well, of course, you're going to be on the receiving end. You're one of the winners. You're chosen. You're on CNBC, so you've got all the access to all the people that are going to make sure you get the production. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't control production. Oh, lo and behold, Parsley Energy has to file bankruptcy and then get bought out. Okay. Yeah. Again, that have been pretty good information in the interview when you're stumping for some other political cause. All right. Now, that's a, my soapbox. Never mind. I'm going to step down now. Oh, I'm going to step back up. API does a 180. And says, now we got to talk about carbon pricing. So in my 10 years in this industry, we've gone from plastic bags to where the top lobbyist group now is actually talking about carbon pricing. And you're going to get mad at me for bringing this up. You're going to get mad at me for challenging the leadership who's been there for the last 10 years.
2: Oh, or this more. has happened
0: on your watch. Yeah. And you're going to get mad at me for this. I need to go get some of that FU money. How do you get that from the government? Okay. okay. How <laughs> do I get that? Oh, man. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, But you see the frustration. Oh, I can. I Absolutely. Because th- this isn't just me. I've I've been here to, ever since I've started this thread of conversation. Sure. You wouldn't believe the emails. and I've gotten three today. Just three today. I've given so much to this industry, and I'm not getting it back. I think this is my last year. Oh, no. totally, man. A lot of people because they're just... Uh. They're not. It's it's changing.
2: It is well, and you see the downsides of the companies. I mean, there's guys that I looked up in the industry that they they were they were they were people I looked up to highly 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 looked up to, and now they're they're in the breadline. You know, but, uh, th-
0: this used to be an industry where people would go to work with purpose. Yeah, and now if it's an office job, the purpose is gone. Mm-hmm. It's now, yeah, you're you're now just an office worker, man. So if if, if you're now if it's now a Homer Simpson Sector 7G type job where you're just an average person, it's it's a change in industry then. Yeah. And, and people are not going to be as loyal as they once were and et cetera. Because one of the other things I bring up with the interview of Jerry Simmons is my passion for the preservation of capitalism. Mm-hmm. Because I truly believe what makes the oil industry great, and I really do mean this, folks, is that anytime you can grab somebody with an eighth grade education and... They can go get a job that pays very well. And they can figure out because the way their mind is. Because keep in mind, Henry Ford didn't even graduate eighth grade, okay? Now, if he figures out a way to make a vibrating tube go twice as fast for twice as cheap, the part I love about oil and gas is they don't steal the idea from them, they don't reverse engineer the idea. What they do is they say, Bubba, That's a great idea. I tell you what, if you would like to go start a company, we'll be your first customer. And that Mm -hmm. gives Bubba the opportunity to go get a couple employees. And that oil and gas company just enabled an opportunity for Bubba to become a player in his local community now. A leader Mm. in his local community.
2: And give back. And give back in the
0: way he sees fit. Yes. Knowing he's going to take care of the oil and gas company and the local community
2: amen amen
0: that was a checks and balance that i saw right away and actually i've seen evaporate in 10 years
2: and we talked about that a little bit you that is one industry that you do see oil and gas or i should say yet again we don't see enough of it being talked about like petro pros uh, have you heard of Petro Pros? I have not. Petro Pros is a thing here in Oklahoma. They actually have guys like myself that's been in the industry forever, and they will actually give them tools to go to the schools and actually teach about fossils, teach about the rocks, teach, teach about geology, uh, teach about everything in the oil and gas industry, and it's a way to give back to the future of soon-to-be-the-next-engineer, the, the soon-whatever. And there's just not enough, you know, there's not enough output about these events and how the oil industry has been giving back. I know there's a lot of galas, there's a lot of really big events, but there's not a lot of output of mainstreaming that and getting that name out there and saying, hey, this, this industry gives back so much, but it's never, a lot of times it's getting... Net, Gets unnoticed.
0: One of the things we tried and failed at was um, kids and capitalism, where we tried to engage kids that way. We brought kids to the uh, Williston Basin Petroleum Council and uh, uh, their annual, the big conference out there, the nice. big conference, the Williston Basin conference. Um, we set up interviews with Harold Hamm and oh, great yeah, guy, by the way, Marathon Oil. I mean, mm-hmm. we, you know, we we introduce these kids to all kinds of different things and um, we it was interesting because we took a different approach and it worked really well with the kids but we just could not get it funded hmm. and because it was a it was outside the box it was a totally it was something that they had never thought of and I don't know what the deal was but so for example we'd bring the kids to a rock concert hmm and we'd explain to them how all the different ways that is powered by fossil fuels, okay? Oh, wow. But we do it in a very kind of backhanded way. But what we did is we started with engaging with what they wanted, okay? Yes. And then after that, we you know you guys want to learn more about oil and gas. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that's what we're here for. They totally forgot that's why we're here. Yeah. So then we took them fishing. And then we started talking about the fishing line and... So what we do is we make them do the event first and then and then it's processing on the way home or it's one time we, we even had a thing like if you can name ten things that were made of fossil fuels on this fishing trip on this outdoor oh, nice.
2: adventure. Nice
0: if you can name ten things, yes we'll take you to XYZ. And nice. and, so, and what we it was a game and it was a number of different things to kind of engage the kid. Oh yeah! Try to go to their level because when we went to um, conference, there was this uh, bike that didn't have any fossil fuels, so it was basically like a rusty frame. Sure, it was it was great idea. Great idea, but the guy giving the presentation was basically lecturing the kids. Like, why don't you know any better? Yeah, you know, and, but yeah, it's, it's that, not gonna fly. It's that oil and gas way, you know. Yeah. it's 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 that very technical technical talk. Yeah, yes. and it comes across as a as condescending or lecturing or. Yeah. All I know is I just like okay, there ain't a teenager in the world that's gonna absorb this.
2: No, and and a lot of times it's very and technical in a sense that these engineers are amazing. They're highly intelligent, what you see on the jump into Mungie or science behind the jumps. It's just that, you know, sometimes it can be so technical that people are just not understanding. You're giving great content, but it's not sinking in or it's not connecting with the listener. And so that's that's what, like I said, the the, uh, the gumball and the everything else that we've talked about, that's what I want to try and get our industry to start talking on that level getting to where the connection is making you know is is getting to the end users, getting to the other voices that are out there that may not know or understand and actually connect with us
0: so i'm going to challenge anybody listening out there to where are you directing your resources um the Gumball, what's it, Gumball 3000?
2: Gumball 3000.
0: It's basically how many cars?
2: Uh, 126 cars.
0: Driving all over the US to get to Havana, Georgia, doing social media. Yeah. There's there's musicians involved. Massive. There's celebrities involved. It's, it's kind of a, 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 it's a crazy event. Yeah. It's a crazy event. Yeah. And God bless you for it, because that's what oil and gas needs. It does. And- One of the other things I tell Jerry Simmons, the best way to attack crazy is go at it with crazy.
2: Hey, there you go. And
0: that's why when we entered the environmental contest, which we won, and that's Johnny Green, baby. Woo! Frackleberry hound. Our thesis, because keep in mind this was an intellectual type of a deal, was that the oil and gas industry is the leader of the environmental movement.
2: No, by far.
0: That's a headline that makes you look twice Mm -hmm. anywhere. Yeah. But if you can argue it articulately, Mm. and if you can have facts... Mm-hmm. And give it to people who care about facts That's important these yeah, days that. Absolutely, <laughs> That's like the mm-hmm. main thing Most people give somebody a fact It's like a turd sandwich Oh I don't want to touch it Get it away You facts Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's Elon Musk doing today He makes me feel better oh! <laughs> How about Bill Gates He makes me feel better too Well I just don't understand Why Bill Gates is an authority on everything Why does he get interviewed For anything that's going on in the planet Texas grid goes down well, What's Bill Gates think who the heck cares? How does he even have authority on that? All right, Gumball three thousand. I I I'm all about this sponsoring, and you know I'm thinking of different ways. First of all, what's the entry fee? It's steep.
2: It is very steep. Well, let's get to it. What is it? It's sixty-five grand.
0: Sixty-five grand. Okay. How many rigs in the Permian?
2: Two oh, hundred at least.
0: Okay. There's at least six in the Bakken. Okay, how many in Oklahoma? Four? <laughs> Twelve?
2: I think we're up to eight now. Eight?
0: Okay, so let's just say there's 300 rigs across the United States. Yes. Okay, let's do the math here. Okay. We need more than a few bucks. Okay, so I'm thinking crowdfunder. I'm thinking per rig. I'm thinking some business daddy oil company can step up and donate money. I'm thinking that, you know, um, well, they they pay 35 they, do you know what they pay for a conference? 50000 bucks Woo! for a three-day event.
2: Oh, yeah. This is one and week. And they
0: share it with two or three other people, okay? Gosh. So I'm just telling you, man. They got. They, they, don't give me we, we're saving money crap. No way. Yeah. It's about choices, folks. There you it's go. about choices. Okay? And
2: we can raise money for any of the other charities that, that they are already involved in. So we can use that platform to even raise even more money.
0: Well, this is going to be all kinds of exposure.
2: Uh, Huge. I mean, and not
0: to mention, what you're proposing is actually some additional, because you're going to go around and drive to rigs.
2: Yeah, that's what I want to do. Once we get done with the the actual event, yeah, we want to take this to all the rigs afterwards and show these guys that The oil and gasses industry is here, and the guys that weren't able to, you know, they are able, because it's going to be on social media like crazy. And I know the guys being on the rig, they're on the social media. You know, they're trying to support our industry, and this would give them something to be behind. And what awesome way to show their support that they've been showing us online and, you know, promoting getting the charities to raise money for the charities is for us to actually go out to the rigs and meet these guys, shake their hand, uh, get them, get them to be able to take photos with the trucks. You know everything. I mean, Wait, is that's this right
0: here. Hang on here. So, hundred thousand. Okay. Divided by three hundred, right? We said three hundred rigs.
2: Uh huh. Is three hundred and
0: thirty-three dollars? Is that right?
2: That's uh, yeah. So I, if we got
0: five hundred bucks a rig, that'd be one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. That doesn't seem like very much.
2: No, it seems like, pretty quick.
0: I, I think the guys working the rig could throw that together.
2: I think they could.
0: So that's what I'm saying. We got some real real options here.
2: We, th- You've got a great point. That's a great point. I didn't ever think of it that way. Well, totally, man. That's, that's
0: how you got to think these days. Because lot, is, by, by the way, a lot of these oil and gas companies, they're not going to do anything new. No. They're going to keep giving money to the same people. And getting the same results, which is 10 years ago, mm-hmm. plastic bags and straws was the only thing the oil and gas industry had a black eye for it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Somebody brought up BP every now and then, but not too many. Yeah. It, and- wa- it wasn't like the people walking around today mm-hmm. shaming you if you're wearing an oil and gas jacket, right? which I've seen, mm-hmm. which I've been a part of.
2: And guess what? If it goes well, we do it again uh, every year.
0: You could get Jay-Z celebrating oil and gas.
2: He could be riding in the oil and gas-sponsored truck. So
0: the championship belt that we have, okay. the crazy, stupid championship belt that we have, okay, we've got Mark Fox, the uh, tribal chairman of the MHA Nation, Woo! holding it excited as can be because he loves loves it.
2: If we get this challenge, can we wear the belt wear on the hat. tour? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah,
0: you can. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt, man. It's been in parades. It's gonna be in the gumball.
2: Okay, we got to. If we get I'll this, even wear a
0: banana suit.
2: <laughs> I got to see the. Yeah, this would be oh for sure.
0: All right, we're way over on time. We did two segments for one, so we better uh, uh, hammer home. And you got to drive back to Oklahoma City. You've got appointments today, so let's. Uh, okay, Winter Mud, who's your customer? How can people get in touch with you and uh, business in the oil patch, you know, talk about that.
2: Absolutely. So Winter Mud, uh, family owned and operated since 1982, Uh, moved from Guymon, Oklahoma, down to Oklahoma City, expanding their footprint. You can get in touch with me at my phone number, 580-656-5486, or you can get in touch with me at KenLavin.com dot winnermud at gmail dot com so k e n l a v i n v is in victory dot winnermud at gmail you can also hit me up on all the social medias uh, linkedin of course ken lavin uh, linkedin facebook instagram twitter uh, they can also google Uh, Winter Mud, and uh, we have a business page and a website, and you can uh, get my phone number there. Uh,
0: Fossil Fuel Fridays is next, and you guys are looking for a business daddy sponsor there. Absolutely. And what you would get business daddy sponsor or business mommy sponsor is, at least I'm imagining in my mind, the centralization Mm -hmm. to where it's not under your individual names no but it would be like a website and a whole kind of umbrella of fossil fuel fridays hashtag fossil fuel fridays yep and whatever way it would be so it's the ground floor of sponsorships
2: oh uh, by far
0: you want to talk about a venture capitalist folks (laughs)
2: yeah starting right here at the base
0: fossil fuel fridays take you to that next level of uh i don't know 20% Twenty percent more sponsor, uh, of, uh, yeah. exposure. I don't uh, yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a By lot far. these days.
2: By far, getting so, all the uh, industry and th- th- leaders
0: just plug fossil fuel Fridays, and folks they are looking for a sponsor. So if you'd Absol- like to do it,
2: absolutely. Fossil fuel Fridays, you can get in touch with myself or Matt Hill uh, with Night Energy Services uh, and S and B Directional, and get in touch with us. Reach out, and uh, he can. We can. Uh, same with Kimberly Smith. And you can, uh, again, best place to get with them is on LinkedIn and shoot them a message and we can get things going.
0: All right. And then you and your son, we just got to make sure we mention outdoor ventures. Thank you. With a V, outdoor ventures. And now, does, is there a website there?
2: There is, but it uh, the website takes you straight to the YouTube channel. Okay, so it's just, it yeah. goes... And so they can subscribe right there. Yep. And so as soon, it'll take you right to the channel, and then they can just hit subscribe and hit like, and all the new videos, they'll get updates right in there. And so. uh,
0: are you guys looking for sponsors on that, or how are you doing that? Because I know sometimes, you know, when you're when when you doing something that's either, you know, a father, son, or a hobby... Sure, sure you don't care about the money yeah and you're more focused on the product and that's yeah. that's a good thing actually
2: yeah yeah
0: but, you know and and but at the same time hey what, what do you got
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's so in expanding uh outdoor ventures like you said uh you got the website they can touch base with me they uh so the uh, we're actually looking for sponsors uh, for different uh, vehicles. Something that we're working on right now is to become an ambassador for the state of Oklahoma and uh, actually highlighting parks and recreations and things of that nature for the state of Oklahoma. We would love to find uh, the dealerships uh, for, you know, whether it be ATVs, whether it be baseball equipment, uh, anything outdoors, hunting, fishing, you name it. And would uh, love to get you guys involved, have your products on there, Uh, do a product display, uh, you know, and talk about it Um, and uh, maybe do like a, you know, one year thing of, you know, the latest machine that's out there and uh, or the latest uh, whatever it might be, the latest tents, you know, or the latest uh, football gear. And uh, you know we get to show it off promote it and uh, go from there so yeah that's that's a big thing for us. We would love to uh, partner with and uh, as sponsors and all that so
0: well it sounds like you got a lot on your plate man I don't know how you get your sleep done or anything along those lines but uh, absolutely none <laughs> I didn't think so much but well I appreciate the you know the help you've given me when I come to town and the hospitality and you know kind of the we kind of work together when we can on certain things. And um, I know you guys are going to be interviewing Depa coming up in the future. Yes. In negotiations and scheduling <laughs> talks, if you will. But uh, introductions were made and things were had. So I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, the networks are continuing to grow and the well, conversations f- are having. And
2: Well, don't forget your network, The Crew Life. Thank you very much, Jason, for everything that you've done and, and getting all of our companies I uh, mentioned on your show here today. Uh, we couldn't thank you enough. So I want to definitely, definitely want to tell you thank you to all your followers, all your viewers here. So,
0: well, all three followers are very happy to hear that. So, <laughs> all right, we're end on that note. Jerry Simmons with Deppa coming up next. Anything you want to say as we end the
2: show? That's it. Thanks, guys. God bless.
1: Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The music heard on The Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody Riverbank. The Crude Life with host Jason Spees. So there's
3: still people without power as of this morning.
1: You know, right now I think there's uh... Very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, There are, and and let me just say this,
0: I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid.
4: On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission.
2: We have roughly 470,000 miles
3: of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas, and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six.
1: It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today, uh, and, and there's- It's our snowing here in Lubbock
3: again. I mean, I don't, I
1: thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that We can either one heat our homes or two uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, With pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to even be able to handle the you know the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half
3: of the lodge went without water since Saturday.
1: On Friday, the railroad commission took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on.
3: We'll have water for until five p.m., and then we'll be
1: off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas, on a on life support. And know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right?
2: J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday.
3: Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days.
1: Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
0: Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Here, this is a little bit of the work hard portion. Here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I love Tulsa. Tulsa is a nice city. It. Uh, I usually give it as an example of one of those cities that uh, really went their own direction and allow. And that's that's a great example of how oil and gas allows a community to build it based on its own local culture and that sort of thing. So. Uh, We're in the One Warren Place, is the name of the building? We are, yes. Jerry Simmons. Yes. CEO and President of DEPA. DEPA. D-E-P-A. Domestic Energy Producers Alliance. Domestic Energy Producers Alliance. And one might ask why
4: we need DEPA when we have a federal government, <laughs> but, but th- that's just off the top of my head. Well, we, we need a DEFA because of a federal government. How's that? Oh, uh, the uh, irony, <laughs> the irony on a Tuesday.
0: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what the organization is, the genesis behind it, how long you've been around, how many members you have, what the mission is. Just kind of give us the little bit more than an elevator pitch, maybe the 15th
4: floor elevator pitch. <laughs> okay. Okay. Actually, DEPA was formed about 11 years ago, uh, back during the, uh, The beginnings of the Obama administration. Uh, Our current chairman, board chairman, uh, Harold Hamm of Continental Resources in Oklahoma City, uh, along with some uh, some fellow oil and gas producers that were uh, primarily onshore domestic producers, felt like their interests weren't really being represented well in in, in Washington on on the national level. Uh, There are state organizations all across the country. There are a couple of uh, larger uh, trade associations in Washington, D.C. Uh, But again, they felt like they weren't having their voice heard in D.C. quite well enough. So they formed DEPA right out of the the box uh, with the Obama administration. Our our tax treatments, uh, percentage depletion, and intangible drilling costs, uh, deductions that we get along with the royalty owners that, that get uh, payment for their, their production on their private property, uh, they get deductions on those as normal business expenses, as you and I, if you if you have a mortgage, uh, you get to deduct that interest rate off of your mortgage. Uh, so some people in the current federal government call that a subsidy. Uh, we, we argue that, say so we don't get any subsidies. We we have deductions like mm-hmm. any other business in, in this country uh, gets deductions from the federal government as an enticement to do business. Can, I, can I interrupt for sure. just a
0: second? Sure. Sure because I wanted to ask you, and you said the 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 federal government wasn't meeting your needs, your interests, if you will. Immediately, of course, as a journalist, oh, what are they? And I'm sure you have specifics. But I did want to ask: Is it was it more of the broader sense that they weren't meeting the needs, and and there was just so many examples along the way, and what you just described to me sounds like one of those examples, because there's so many others out there.
4: Not not meeting the needs of, of us and in our industry, and the 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 obvious uh, uh, way to look at that for us is that we're all about free market, uh, right? The, the the you the. The independent U.S. domestic oil and gas producers are fiercely independent individuals and have been since, it, since the inception of the industry in, in this country. And we're all for a, a free market and an open market. And if you just look around, back ten years ago, a decade ago, we were energy reliant on other countries. We were importing 60% of our oil uh, from countries in the Middle East. We were floating battleships and and, uh, aircraft carriers over there constantly uh, with our our treasure and and our our, uh, lives uh, risking daily for for what we had right here. And with our innovation and what we did, let the government get out of the way is exactly what happened. And uh, the the U.S. entrepreneurial spirit developed horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing and combined those two for the shale explosion that's happened across the country that made us energy independent. And another thing that DEPA did, that our federal government wasn't helpful, Back in the seventies, we we went through a whole series of problems with with energy in this country. We thought we were running out of energy. Everybody thought we were running out of energy. Peak uh, oil, you know, peak oil, waiting lines mm-hmm. at the gas station. Absolutely, gas stamps. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. yes. I, I wasn't even alive,
4: barely. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I was, and I was buying gas, so I, I remember those days. And it was the it was that Arab oil embargo. The Carter administration, along with I believe probably then Senator uh, Biden, uh, switched us, switched us around to. A lot of coal. So, folks that want to talk about CO2 and what's going on in this country and coal plants, uh, that all started in the 1970s and it expanded through the 80s. And now we're reversing that trend. We're we're now producing more natural gas, more natural gas uh, plants, and uh, we've reduced our CO2 emissions in this country. Again, letting the government get out of our way and let us do what we do, which is provide energy for the American public reliably and cheap, which is what folks want. Uh, they, they want to be able to go to almost any street corner and buy gasoline at a fair price, mm-hmm. and they can in this country. Uh, some of the policies that we're seeing uh, currently might hinder that, and that concerns us greatly. One of the policies
0: that we're going to talk about today, we might as well get right to it, and we can talk about leadership in oil and gas. We can talk about connecting with the industry, as well as you know what's next for DEPA and how you can participate and get involved and get active. In fact, we, we I brought in a board member from a, a API chapter here in the state of Oklahoma for you to have a conversation with them because there was. Let, let me tell you how I found out about this carbon pricing. Because I didn't believe it. I, I, we, we do a news segment. On a, we do a morning show now um, with the accrued uh, life because you know, we, we wanted to be a daily voice for the industry so that, hey, we're not going to hit them all, right? You know, some are going to be duds. Some are going to be good. But at least if there's a consistent voice for the industry, that's something that's, that the industry needs. So part of our morning show is a news segment. And we, we came across this news story. And I don't read these news stories. I have somebody read them to me, my producer, and kind of my reaction, this and that. And I am and I kept going, wait, back up. What did he say? <laughs> what now? And I go, if I'm interpreting this right, I go, API is in favor of carbon pricing and is going along with the narrative John Kerry is trying to create. Right. And so my exact words were, and I apologize for anybody with the virgin ears right now, <laughs> but I said... John Kerry the new voice for oil and gas. Holy shit. Like, I, I was like, so the next day, I went back to my producer, Sterling, and co-host, and I said, did I read that story right? What me that story again? Because I went and I read it, and he said, no, you're right. And then you guys came out with your letter. So I felt like, okay, my craziness was somewhat validated. So uh, with that, I hand the baton off to you to describe your reaction, how you guys came about this. And what we're talking about, folks, is uh, the, the American Petroleum Institute, API, came out publicly and started the public conversation about carbon pricing. With all the conversations in today's world that we could be having, it is very bizarre to me they chose that. Yeah. And, and that, we'll just start there because I don't think they've endorsed it. I, I don't, you know, there's some... There's some legalese here I want to avoid because right. I'm sure they got big attorneys. Right. I just want to say, in my interpretation, I think they started the conversation, and that's never a good sign.
4: Yeah, that's actually, to be fair to API, yeah. uh, you're absolutely right. Okay. Uh, so, last week, um, a week ago yesterday, the Wall Street Journal had a report that's what it was that, um, that API's executive committee was exploring the idea of carbon pricing and support of the U.S. Re-entering the, the Paris Climate Accords. And uh, <clears throat> that's what we took off on with our press release and that, that two pages uh, that, that you obviously saw mm-hmm. uh, was that we – and again, it, it, to be fair, a week later, it's, it's still not an official API policy, okay? But they are having the conversation, they, they obviously are having the conversation because since the Wall Street Journal report they haven't come out and said no no we're not considering that at all and since we did what we did uh, we've heard from at least one API member that said you shouldn't have done that but but didn't deny that that's what they're talking about so the, the idea here is that you, you look at the interests of the people that are, that are apparently in control of, of API I think they're the large multinationals uh, that are, are mostly controlled by Europeans and and, uh, and domestic U.S. oil and gas producers. And w- on this issue, we are, we are obviously diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to one another. API is an outstanding organization. They do fantastic research. They've got, you know, banks and banks of people that do research on a daily basis that we as a, as a small U.S. trade can't do. Uh, So it's wonderful to have them there. Uh, We disagree with them on this issue. And if they're going to uh, come out with an official API policy on carbon pricing, which is another word for carbon tax, then we're opposed to that. We're opposed to the Paris Climate Accords as well. It punishes this country and the citizens of it, not U.S. oil and gas companies, okay? If you, we get into Paris and we keep going down the road that the Biden administration has us on, what's happening right now? What's happened since November? Oil and gas prices are going up. Mm-hmm. I, I think the last I saw it, gasoline prices have gone up uh, almost 50%. Uh, since the election. Uh, I, I think there was a spike in there, but I think it's a steady thirty to forty percent that they've gone up. And does that harm us? Our folks are making more money than they, they made in all of, of 2020 during the pandemic when, when oil prices were in the, the $20 to $30 range. So no, this harms American consumers and that's the thing that we get upset about is we want folks in this country to have reliable, inexpensive energy. Because we we have it, we have the resource, and there's no reason not to provide that to the American public.
0: Carbon pricing, carbon tax—I um, I really don't know the difference between the two. <laughs> I, I actually tried to research this topic, right. and I fell asleep three times. <laughs> it's it's a very complicated, it's a very uh, layered, but it's also it it's very subjective too. Right a- at the core, there's a lot of subjectivity that is past as fact in order to move it along if you will and so i got that issue there's that my other issue is uh it's at the end of the day it almost seems like it's going to be a tax on the poor on the middle class because if you have to pay more for your goods and services and you have to pay for specifically your heat Mm -hmm. and your gas where this is going to be taxed the most is my understanding right Fifty percent of your household income goes to your heating bill, or your heating and cooling bill. A lot of times, and there's tons right. of studies for that. Right. And right. then you throw in gas, and I don't know about you, but lunchables come with a little film on the top, and <laughs> vaccine needles come plastic. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to reuse a vaccine needle. I can tell you that. <laughs> right. So there's just there's the direction of the PPE, all these other things are going
4: on. It just seems bizarre. Well, it, it is, and, and something that a lot of people might not understand and, and, and appreciate. There, there, there's not really any nuance here. What happens with the carbon tax, it's an energy tax, and that's what people need to understand about it. And it, that impacts everyone, and you're absolutely right. It impacts the disadvantaged and the poor people in this country first. And I'll give you a couple of examples. One that we put in our press release. If you if you want to look at a carbon price or a carbon tax model that we might use in this country, uh, and, and again, we don't we don't have one now. So where are we going to pull that? Well, the EU has one. Uh, European Union has one, and they impose what is an equivalent to a dollar sixty one a gallon on gasoline as as a carbon tax. So if you did that in this country, just just to play the numbers out, an extra $1. sixty-one to fill up a Ford F-150 pickup truck, which is the most popular vehicle in this country, is an additional $55 per tank. That's huge. If you're a working class family in this country, that's a big deal. The top 1%, They're not going to be impacted so much. So that's why we say if you look at this and how it impacts citizens, the the working class Americans the most, is you're absolutely right. Percentage of income goes right in and then take that out. What do you get in the grocery store? You're going to go buy an apple. Mm -hmm. How did that apple get there? Well, it's because somebody on a farm raised it. How did they do that? They used fossil fuels. They used diesel. How did they get it to market? How did they wash that apple? How did it get processed? How did it get to the store that you're in? If you take, again, if you start adding a tax everywhere along the line, even if it's not $1.61, if it's a nickel, if Mm -hmm. everybody along the line is adding a nickel to it, what's going to happen to the price of that apple? And that's the point that people apparently in D.C., are either too stupid, and I don't mind saying that, too stupid. <laughs> well, I, honestly, I, or just, yeah. I don't
0: understand how this conversation is not being had. How, how, you know, and I say this all the time about people when they start talking about uh, different medias and everything else. I say, listen, if you look at it, there's five major news networks, and they all report the same stories. <laughs> you, you think that's by coincidence yeah, or what? Yeah. No. It's called an agenda, folks. and. Yeah you know they don't a lot of times they don't even know they're involved with it that's right but whatever yeah. that's that's okay you'd think though after a body of work <laughs> you could take a step back and be existential a little bit and say oh that's how that works meaning there has been gas hikes in the past and they do show how that affects the goods and services there has been studies done over the past 50 years that do show exactly what you're talking about so for leadership to allow such an elementary Because you remember, most of us are now past the 8th grade education. We're now past the 6th grade education. Back when politicians first came around, it was because most people had a 6th and an 8th grade education. Maybe it's time to rethink that whole model, huh? (laughs) Instead of carbon pricing, maybe we should rethink Washington. All the hot air coming out of there, that's a whole different story. But I I go to the leadership. Um, We can start in D.C. We can talk about API, uh, API and oil and gas because there's been multiple examples we, we even said going into this year, boy, it almost seems like 2021 might be defined by defection, meaning that there's more and more of these heavy lines being drawn in the sand. And in your state here, Oklahoma, I think there was a, one of the Petroleum Council's alliances. They, they split or got rid of a director.
4: You know anything about that? Or I, I, I try to stay out of okay, state. Okay, but, but there was something that happened. There, there, there were a couple of organizations that, that merged. Yeah. Okay, that's Yeah, what, yeah. anyway, yeah. so
0: there's there's things happening, and obviously, you know, layoffs, and then people are getting hired back, and maybe not at what they thought, and automation is coming in, and there's just, people are worked hard, and, and, yeah. and they're kind of getting beat up a little bit, too. So to have API come out like this, I don't know if you want to start in D.C. or go towards the oil and gas leadership, but... There, there is a little bit of um, uncertainty out there.
4: there. There is uncertainty, and uh, we, we do work uh, D.C. issues constantly. Uh, we, we don't have a D.C. presence now outside of some uh, contract lobbyists that we work with. Uh, I, I have a weekly call with those guys and talk to them. Uh, of course, right now, D.C. is shut down, so uh, there, there's, there's no sense in, in us going up there and trying to have a uh, – conversation with uh, staffers or you know or, or representatives um but Just sitting there talking to the big old lincoln statue huh <laughs> there you go that's about all i can do <laughs> that's, these that's, days that's about it Probably well and, further, and though. Th- i don't know then you might i don't know you have to stand six feet away from him i don't know but <laughs> you got some staffer over there making you wear a mask to talk to the lincoln statue yeah maybe i could see uh, it I yeah. could see it anyway so. but uh but yeah, in in DC we've got uh, we've got friends obviously from the oil and gas producing states uh, that are on our side. Uh, we have uh, we have and that's not just Republicans. There are Democrats as well. Um, we had a, a conversation very much like this. I had a conversation, a little video interview we did with uh, Henry Cuellar, a congressman from South Texas, uh, who's who's very concerned about energy policy and energy issues uh, because he's got a lot of constituents that that are employed in the oil and gas. Business, And he also understands the, the concern about disadvantaged communities because he's got some and how it impacts them if, if prices go up. So we're working D.C. We, we are bipartisan. We work both sides of the aisle. People that will talk to us, we're, we're happy to talk to them. Our problem there is education. As you can imagine, getting people to understand the industry and how we work and the same things we've just been talking about, Mm -hmm. that people don't understand on a a daily basis what it takes to get an apple to your table. I mean, they they just don't think about it. I've got a feeling that there are probably uh, folks in in Manhattan, New York City, that think it's magic when they flip on a light switch because they have no clue really what's going on behind those scenes. So uh, we're working there. Uh, we, We hope to work with the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional Hispanic Caucus. And, and talk to them and present them facts and figures of, about disadvantaged communities and what that means to the energy and, and energy costs and what that means to them. Uh, on the broader scale, like I said, API, uh, w- we have no beef with API unless they do have a policy like this, and we're going to oppose them on it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I've got a, a, a lovely wife at home that that I love dearly. Guess what? We don't agree all the time. Uh, but we stay in the same house. <laughs> you know? well, right. So – and that's one of the things that we're trying to do here in the crude life is have some
0: conversations that are a little bit difficult at yeah. times, yep. you know? I mean, you can ask Senator Kramer, him and I don't get along all the time either. Yeah. Um, when I found out about his Paris Accord thing, I called him up, he came on, and he said, absolutely, we should rejoin under our narrative. And I went, okay, that's the way to do it. That <laughs> is the way to do it. If you're going to you're gonna take control of the narrative again. And that's yeah. what I think the oil and gas industry should really start doing is taking control of the narrative again instead of reacting Um, Because there's been a lot of reaction to some, like, just PR, if you will. A lot of it is PR. I know in Colorado, they didn't even need to use words. They just had a picture of a woman holding a baby with an oil derrick in the background, and that did it. That's all it took in Colorado. Uh, But the connection... You mentioned the light switch. That's an example we've been given now for a couple of years. Uh, I came from ag side, mm-hmm. uh, the eastern side of North Dakota, where it's mostly ags and subsidies. Yeah. We're not used to the western side, where it's all capitalism and, mu- <laughs> and oil and gas. Well, those are two different, really, mindsets, you know, is, when, when you is. think about it. Yeah. So I, of course, gravitated towards the oil and gas industry, being you know a libertarian at the core. Doesn't mean I am one, but I just tend to go towards that personal accountability mm-hmm. side of life. I also like the fact that the oil and gas industry enables opportunity instead of entitlement. They enable opportunity, which is not the case in a lot of industry. I I, I like to give the example. The oil and gas industry is probably the last industry where a guy with maybe an eighth-grade education can get a job, and he can figure out how to make a vibrating tube go twice as fast for twice as cheap Mm – And that oil and gas company is not going to steal the idea from them. They're not going to reverse engineer the idea. They're going to give them an opportunity to go hire some employees to become a contributor in his local community. That's about the only industry left that I know that exists that still does that. And so for us, that's why we love it. The part that I wish D.C. would understand is that part, because they do think when you flip on the light switch – that there is a magic that happens in the same way, I'm getting there finally to my point, okay. in the same way that the farmer got replaced by the grocery store. Hmm. You can have a bunch of protesters sitting around saying, let's go join PETA and, and, and go have hamburgers later <laughs> right. from the grocery store. They're that out of touch. Right. And the average person is that out of touch with oil and gas now to where they can go drink Keurig coffee cups, text text about the dangers of oil and gas on a cell phone, which is unproven, by the way. (laughs) We still don't know the actual long-term ramifications of cell phones, and I'm a contributor. I'm I'm going on a lot of blind faith here, people. (laughs) But the point is the hypocrisy is so bad, it just reminds me of when my son was like eight. And I almost feel like a lot of times we have to sit down with these individuals and treat them that way because they are at the point where the light switch is now replace the oil and gas worker and that's really sad because there are a lot of leaders out there that get paid a lot of money to make sure that doesn't happen right so the baton off to you good sir well (laughs) no and, and i
4: i appreciate all of that and and to to your point i i think there's there's this terrible disconnect that that we have across this country and it and it's and it's honestly not stupid people. I think it's just people that aren't paying attention, that they they don't really get it. They don't understand. And some of them, I think, maybe have have consumed the Kool-Aid and they're true believers. Uh, I've I've never met John Kerry. I, I really don't know what he believes in his gut. Uh, does does he really believe that some welder making Eighty to a hundred thousand dollars a year on a pipeline is going to go work for ten bucks an hour putting in solar panels. I mean, is is, is that a fair trade? Uh, I mean, I I don't think so. Uh, wh- not, not, not to mention that uh, Sterling, our
0: co-host, he grew up in Saudi Arabia on Dahran. Mm-hmm. okay. His dad worked for Ramco, okay, and so he's never worked a day in oil and gas, <laughs> but he grew up in it. Yeah, so he's just a perfect contributor to the program <laughs> because. He brings in a perspective. His wife works at Starbucks, so it's just even better because it's a whole different perspective. Yeah. But he's got a respect for the industry, like like no one, no, nobody else does. Yeah. He what he brings up a lot of times is okay when it comes to this whole climate movement and and John Kerry and everything. Are these guys even qualified for this? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, because you know, he, for him, you had to go through a lot of different. I mean, they had duck and cover drills when he grew up. Because of the refineries. Yeah. And of course, they just got, he, he texted me the other day. He goes, My hometown just got bombed. Yeah. That was his hometown. Yeah. And it's just interesting to bring in these different perspectives of somebody who has never worked in the industry but respects it versus someone who's never worked in and doesn't have any respect
4: for well, it. Well, and, and, and again, I think there's, there's a narrative that has, for whatever reason, has, has made it into the kind of the, the common culture now in this country that, that there are people that truly believe that we can convert over tomorrow. To solar and wind, and they're going to replace everything that we've got, and that we can go to electric vehicles and solve all of our problems. And you just go, if, if you know anything about physics, and, and by the way, so you know, I, I'm an old geologist, so I actually used to be a scientist. I, okay. I, I, I won't claim that I still am, but uh, once upon a time I was a scientist. And uh, when you look at things and you look at the science of, of all of that, I'm not going to talk about you know climate change I'm not going to talk about CO2 and human emission uh, if it's causing any problem I want to talk about just the physics of energy and what we have and what we can do and the physical nature of energy and how it's produced we cannot power this country let alone the globe on solar and wind and even if we could from the physics we don't have the raw materials to put all of those solar panels and windmills in into place and the battery backups to go with them it's we don't have the raw materials and if we had the raw materials and you start producing all of those solar panels and windmills today it's going to take you 100 years to get enough of them in place to replace the energy we're using today what do we do in the meantime i mean it's the whole conversation is so ridiculous. Well, I'll go get an electric car because then it's, it's emission-free, and all I have to do is plug it in, and it's like, okay, where does the electricity come from? Uh, it's going to come from a windmill. What if the wind's not blowing? How are you going to charge your car? How are you going to get to work tomorrow if your car's not? I mean, there are things that people just simply don't understand about the realities of the physics, the, the science. And I love it when politicians say, well, we believe in science. We listen to the science. Well, as a scientist, let me tell you, science is not a belief. Science is real. Science is data. It's, it's what have you got. Belief is supposed to be practiced in your church. So <laughs>
0: that's, that's yeah I, to go off that, uh, there was a couple things that I forgot to mention about Sterling. One was that he brought up back when the I forget which administration it was, it might have been the Clinton administration coming out telling coal miners to start learning how to code. Yeah remember that? <laughs> uh, go code. Yeah, that was their answer. Just go code and that's what I feel like that when when John Kerry and Biden and mm-hmm. then they came out and said, go do solar, I was like, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. What, that is a that is a heartless thing to do. That That is actually kind of, that's just rank prejudice at the end of the day. <laughs> it is. Uh, the other thing, uh, the physics. Now, I don't know if you get into Moore's Law or not or Moore's Theory. Do yeah. you know about that? Yeah. Okay. For those folks out there, Moore's Theory. Now, this is how important it is. I'm actually turning at the camera and looking. <laughs> I have to feel like it's Mr. Rogers here. <laughs> so, Moore's Law is, in a nutshell, I believe it's 18 months yeah. or 12. 12 or 18 months. Every... 18 months, the speed of a processor doubles in speed, and it also reduces in size by double. So it's get twice as small and twice as fast. So a lot of this is based on that whole mm-hmm. theory is that we're just going to magically come up with some sort of superconductor that's going to allow all this stuff to happen. I, I get that, Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moore himself, who Intel was it, the founder of Intel? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah, founder of Intel came out and he said, "I, I hope I'm wrong soon." Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was back in like the 2000s or something like that, because we were down to nanotechnology at that time. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if Moore's law plays into this, but I do know the whole banking system ran on circular cardboard punch cards in the 80s, so anything's <laughs> possible. But I've always been told a megawatt of coal cannot be replaced by a megawatt of wind. That although it's the same megawatt, it's really not the same. Is that true?
4: Yeah, it's it's not the same and it's it's called energy density. Okay. So you with with coal, you have and and, and uh give a shout out to to the nuclear industry yeah. with with each of those Renewable. You, you have that's right. You have a a, a storable very dense energy source. And storable, that means that you can have it on site. So if your, if your reactor or if your generator is located here, then that's where you can put that energy source. And when you need it, you just pump it into the system and, and it's right there. And and they're very energy dense. So there there's lots of energy that comes out of that piece of coal or that, that hunk of uh, uranium. Uh, where with wind, you generate it somewhere else, and you send it into the system. And people keep talking. I actually saw a story today where there's uh, Tesla's going to make a battery that's going to power uh, backup power for uh, some town in Texas that has 20,000 homes. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that technology exists quite yet, or that battery is going to be the size of that town. I just, uh, again, it's 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 the, the energy density and what you can do with it. And that's not to say that you know Elon Musk and the engineers at Tesla aren't pretty darn smart people because they are uh, in in what they're doing. I think it's it's great. To your other point that I want to go, I want to go back to when you were talking about you know uh, Moore's uh, yeah. law or Moore's rule. Uh, absolutely, somewhere along the line, somebody may go eureka! Mm-hmm. I have discovered this hydrogen. For example, I can now. Use hydrogen as a fuel. It's not dangerous, it's easy to do. we can we can extract it from water. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And anybody that that is living today and part of society has to be for that, okay? and And if it makes the oil and gas industry go the way of the 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 bu- buggy whip manufacturers, then so be it. Uh, but because oil and gas are finite resources. But they're not the finite resources we thought 10 years ago. I mean, the, back again, when I started my career as a, as a geologist in, in the early 80s looking for oil and gas, we thought in, in my lifetime, I thought, we'll, we'll find the last drop. Uh, Did you really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we thought that the, well, the, the big plays were all going to be mm-hmm. gone. And you know, what you're going to be looking for is stuff around the edges. Uh, and, well, so, so the peak oil was a real thing. Because the hydraulic fracturing really wasn't in the conscious. Not there.
0: No. Kind of like, uh, in okay. fact, I just heard this morning on a, a friend of mine's morning show, they were watching Back to the Future 3, <laughs> where he got fired by fax machine. <laughs> but it was by ni- in 1989, the future, 30 years from there, they didn't know what an iPhone was. Yeah. But for them, all they could conceptualize was the fax machine. So back when Peak Oil was there... Nobody ever thought about um, uh, hydraulic fracturing or anything. And I suppose abiotic oil was too crazy. Right. And right. it still is. Yeah, yeah. I love that's abiotic just, oil that's theory,
4: right. but that's, just, that's <laughs> for highballs at the bar late at night yeah. type of thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and back into the 70s, we, you know, we were doing things and, and experimenting with, with other technologies. The, uh, the uh, oil shales that are in western Colorado and uh, the Wyoming and, and Utah, we've got huge reserves there. And I, I have a good, very good friend that back in those days was working on a project out there uh, as, as a contractor the federal government. They were trying to develop this technology. You take big scoops of this stuff and you heat it up to about, I think it's about 5,000 degrees centigrade uh, to extract the oil. Then you've got this pile of hot rock that you've got to do something with. So it's a great technology. If you want to get the oil out of that rock, you can do it. Uh, but let me tell you. Drilling a horizontal hole and f- hydraulic fracturing is a whole lot easier, a whole lot better for the environment, and a whole, a whole lot uh, cheaper than doing something like that. So, we've looked at all kinds of technologies, is, is my point. And uh, we went through the whole peak oil thing with literally, uh, and actually had this discussion. Uh, yesterday with our chairman, Harold Hamm, that uh, he, he, Harold's one of those great guys when you sit down and he'll, he'll just drop a little, a little uh, bomb of wisdom on you and mm-hmm. you, you, you write it down as a quote. Uh, he said that the real – so we keep hearing uh, about the, uh, the energy uh, reset that we need to do, that the, the, the current administration keeps talking about. Is, he said, we did it. We did it a decade ago. We changed everything by changing the way we did oil and gas Mm -hmm. drilling and, and, and production in this country with the shale plays. We've completely changed. We changed geopolitics for the better around the globe with what we've done here in this country uh, with oil and gas. And, and again, a lot of people have no appreciation for that. They, they don't understand. Uh, we had a, an audience with what well, then last year, uh, then Secretary Pompeo, uh, who said every single visit he's, he had had up to that point around the world, energy was always a topic. He said, I'm not talking about Middle Eastern countries. I'm talking about every country I went to there was always a topic of conversation about energy. And he said that you guys had put us in such a great position that it made it so easy for us to have those conversations. We weren't reliant on anybody. We didn't have to apologize to anybody. We didn't, to, uh, we didn't have to provide our military to anybody to say, you know, we've got all the energy we need. By the way, would you like to buy some? <laughs> And, and uh, those deals are, are are being made, and actually, again, another story I read just today is apparently uh, n- not only uh, central uh, Central U.S. And, and down into Texas had a, a pretty rough February. I guess Asia is having one, mm-hmm. and I saw that uh, uh, Japan LNG prices are through the roof right now uh, because they need the power. They, oh, really? It's it's so cold they need the power. They are on eight
0: bucks, nine bucks for a long time, weren't oh, they? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and. That was an example we used to give all the time too. About you know we're at three bucks here for a long time in America, <laughs> yeah. China, Japan. The Asian market was right around uh, eight nine bucks. You go to Europe, they're fifteen $15, 16 bucks because their infrastructure and their policies so bad. So folks, if you want to become Europe Junior, <laughs> keep going down the path we're going down. Well, a Big Mac is now nine bucks. Yeah, a pack of smokes. I found out I didn't know I don't smoke cigarettes, so I, I wouldn't know what the heck was going on there and. It's we're close to eight, nine, ten bucks in in Minnesota, North Dakota Is now. That right? Wow. Oh yeah, the Indian casinos—they they, they have to put up <laughs> signs four <laughs> cartons per person because so many people were loading them into their trunks for the neighborhood because it was <laughs> two bucks a pack. Wow. <laughs> R.J. Reynolds had to step in and say, "Slow down!" No <laughs> ATF's going to come in. Oh yeah, that was a problem for a while. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so I I wanted to bring up you you mentioned uh, the last ten years. Mm-hmm we you know we reset 10 years ago and that's a that's something i've been bringing up too but i've been bringing it up from the pr side and the connection side if you will because i do think they're kind of connected uh, the public relations and the awareness and the education and and it's a multi-pronged approach by the way i mean you got to remember that this has been going on for 20 30 years right um, when you go back to the old movies 40s 50s 60s even into the 70s the oil and gas industry was very popular, very favorable, wildcatter, rags to riches, you know, live in the limelight. Right. Right. Well, 80s, 90s, it started going the other direction to where it became demonized in movies and in cinema and right. in pop culture. So that's why I think it's somewhat connected. Now, when I got into this industry, because again, I... I'm in the media industry, really, at the end of the day. I've just been covering oil and gas for 10 years because I went into it, actually, as an investigator against oil and gas. Ah, I don't okay. know if you knew that or not. No, no. Oh, yeah, I went in because, you know, I, I figured it'd be easy to do because mm-hmm. um, I, was, I was educated a certain way. Right. And um, after a month of due diligence, because I'm a method journalist, I try to go and make sure I know what I'm talking about before I go out and do it. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I lived in the Bakken in my vehicle and slept in there and had a food truck and talked to people and did all this stuff like that before we did the show. And what I found out was I had more attitude than information. And when I got information, I totally changed, and I became a defender for the industry. Whether they liked it or not, I didn't care. <laughs> I was more enough to preserve the capitalism side of things, okay? Because I believe it's really important to offer opportunity in the world, because that's how you advance evolution, society personal growth whatever you want to call it you just you kick everybody a government check every month they're not going to do anything they're just going to sit at home and watch netflix (laughs) It's okay so i got into it for that so the, the whole information over attitude is the first thing i think the average person right now is a lot like me they had more attitude than information and it's very hard to connect with them now when i go back 10 years when i got into this plastic bags and uh plastic straws occasionally gas prices that was it mm-hmm. that was that was all anybody ever talked about we need to go with paper bags over plastic bags well then they found out the paper bags are actually worse for the environment <laughs> because <laughs> of the logging and the trucking and the d's all this thing that goes into that's it right. right that's right it's easier just to do the plastic bag okay mm-hmm. Well, then reusables came. Hey, solution. Mm-hmm. Really, it's a solution. A higher-grade plastic mm-hmm. that is not so disposable now is a solution for the industry. And if you want to do hemp or you want to do oat fibers, whatever, go, get, uh, go, go your own hippie way. I don't care, okay? <laughs> I'm with you, but I, I, whatever. So straws, Hawaii, and the coastals came up with a great idea. We just don't have plastic straws anymore. Buy ours for a buck. I bought four when I was in Hawaii for my friends just because. It's it's a souvenir at the very least. But my son and his friends, they all do bamboo and um, metal straws because that's what we have at our house. Right. And that's okay. So problem solved. Gas prices, good luck. You ain't going to solve that. That's just going to be complaining over the kitchen table. Then I started speaking on this because, and I wrote this down because a number of years ago, I was out in Colorado. It was probably eight, seven years ago. I started noticing people in Weld County and in Fort Collins. They would look over their shoulder before they would tell me that they worked in the oil and gas industry when I just talked to them in the breakfast bars, just random conversation. Mm-hmm. Back when you had breakfast bars and you could do that. <laughs> uh, and then, then uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren started talking about this this fossil fuel and ending society talk. Mm-hmm. Well, it got my attention a little bit. Well, then this AOC came out. I didn't even know that was a person for a while. I thought that was a group because, <laughs> I mean, I, I, listen, I got rid of my television in 2006 to save my son. Oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't want him growing up around television. So a lot of this stuff was really bizarre to me. And then the Green New Deal came out, and I was really concerned because the oil and gas industry has been decarbonizing for the last 150 years on their own long before the Sierra Club or Greta Thunberg came along, and now we got a Green New Deal trying to piggyback and accelerate what was already happening. So I started speaking more on this, okay? Well, then, last year, Parsley Energy and API came at a crossroads where API stood up for the industry when the Texas Railroad Commission was going to get involved and the government was going to start subsidizing and controlling companies. Mike Summers' API, before that reporter finished, the question came out and said, absolutely not, stay the heck out of the marketplace. And I thought, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Well, then a couple of weeks later or the next week, Matt Gallagher went on CNBC when he was CEO of Parsley and said, well, maybe let's have some government intervention and this. And I went, whoa, those are two, di- those are where you're at right now with API, we're at two different crossroads here. So I started seeing this, and now today we have API coming out and saying, Let's have a conversation about carbon pricing. That's that's a heck of a timeline over 10 years. It how is. did we get there? And how do we not get here? Because I want to drive to Tulsa next year. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it, it's, Sorry it's, to
0: give you a lot there, but no, it, no, there's that's, a lot there.
4: No, that's, that's really... Uh, you're, you're you're actually spot on, and uh, it's it's something that in in my previous life, I've I've been with DEPA for about three years now. Okay. Uh, the previous thirteen years, I I ran the National Association of Royalty Owners, so the individuals that own the private minerals in this country uh, that get checks from oil and gas companies are the people that I I worked for, and uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I uh, I. I love those guys uh, and and what they do. There's about 12 million, by the it's way. It's the people. It's yeah. the people. people. Regular yeah. folks. It's regular absolutely folks. Absolutely it is.
0: And listen, there's, there are some people who do get six-figure checks. Oh, yeah. And there yeah. are some people who sit and wait for their three, four, five-figure check. Yeah. Because that's a good part of their supplemental income. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the one person you could have what 47 checks going out <laughs> to different oh, yeah. things yeah. i mean you got a whole sub you got a whole sub industry based on just trying to simplify the royalty owner so oh, yeah. anyway sorry yeah well
4: well and actually to to that point uh we had done a survey of our our membership back when i was there it's probably been seven, eight years ago, and the average member we had was 60 years old. She was a widow and made less than $500 a month in royalty income. I mean, there 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 are those millionaires, no doubt. By the no way, doubt. that hasn't changed much in North Dakota. It's
0: yeah. like a 60-year-old woman making $1,200. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. MineralTracker.com yeah. did this in, Nor- in the Bakken, yeah. and that's what it came yeah. out it, to. It, it's a like
4: supplement that. to Social Security for for most of the folks. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, anyway, so... so to the point yeah. a, 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 about the the narrative, basically of, of where we are with oil and gas in this country and and what's wrong. I did that same thing. I used to challenge those folks, and I still do it in in this role whenever I'm in front of people. Uh, I I stood up in front of a a group last week down in in the Houston area. It was so wonderful to be in, in a in a, a conference in a, a ballroom with maybe a couple hundred people there with with no mask on. Nice, uh, huh? Yeah, it was great to, to stand up and give a talk. But but I do. I always do that, and these were industry folks, and I always do that, challenge them to say, if you're in a place, in, in a public spot, if you're at a PTA meeting, if you're standing in line at Starbucks and you hear somebody say something derogatory about oil and gas, about fossil fuels, get in their face. You know, don't be ashamed, but arm yourself. Know what you're talking about, because I promise you're going to know more than they're going to know. Because most people just, again, as you say, they're they're talking from some emotional thing they've heard, you know, like you say, maybe a a Senator Warren, you know, screaming about oil and gas and how terrible it is and, and all that, or Bernie Sanders. But again, and I don't know if those individuals believe the stuff that comes out of their mouth about fossil fuels and oil and gas, or if they're just doing it to try to satisfy their base. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of that, that they just want to satisfy the extreme uh, environmental movement that's on that side. Uh but, but I, I, I do. I challenge our folks because we need to change that talking point. We need people to understand the things you and I have been talking about here, the real world examples of how we live our lives, how we do things. And, and my example to that group last week, I said, look around this ballroom that we're in right now and point to one thing that is here without fossil fuels, without oil and gas. Just one thing, one item. Can anybody do that? And they kind of looked around and I said, I said, I'm going to save you a lot of time. There's not one thing, because if you can find that thing that that was grown or produced or whatever, that never touched fossil fuels or oil and gas, how did it get here? It didn't show up at this building through teleportation. And if that were the case, it would probably be uh, driven by an electric generator that mm-hmm. was powered by natural gas. So, I, I mean, the absurdities of saying that tomorrow or, or what is it, uh, 2035, so in in. Less than 15 years or so, we're going to st- start phasing out internal combustion engines. We're going to you know, have our grid go all wind and solar. And I, it's, it's simply nonsense. And, and I, for one, don't appreciate the non-science attitude that politicians have. And they're convincing people. They, I had a, a teacher, I won't say who she is or where she's from, but get into an argument with me. And I provided information. So, well, let me show you some, some real-world data on what we're talking about here. And she read it, and she said, I don't believe that. And I said, w- w- wait, what do you mean? You'll believe a politician that will stand up and say something to you about fossil fuel use or, you know, the, the, the harm to the climate or whatever, but I give you real data, scientific studies, and you say... I don't believe those and I said this isn't belief it's it's information that's mm-hmm. how you do science it's here's the data now prove it wrong and she said that's okay thank you very much and so she's probably still out there teaching her kids the narrative that you that you described and I don't know how we actually overcome that it's it's a frustration uh for someone like me <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's very d- difficult
0: and we've tried about five years to actively connect and rule one that we did was we went non-political so we started saying that we're non-political doesn't mean we're not going to talk politics right. but we're not going to be we are not going to be bombastic and sensational and we're going to have some solution-based journalism because my last question is going to be what's next what are we going to do i mean we can sit and point fingers and bitch and moan all day long but if we don't give a call to action or some sort of let's let's go people Mm -hmm. then then we're just two guys sitting at a bar shouting at each other sports (laughs) shouting you know what i mean it's just guys sitting around tom brady's better no No, joe montana's better well what's the difference there what i wanted to bring up is i started talking about how the facts don't matter they don't matter no and and what i would tell people is that You can hand somebody a report, which I have. I've done the same thing. And I'm talking the science reports. I don't read what the policymakers give me. I read what the scientists have, okay? Mm -hmm. I look at charts that have to do with molecules and atoms and hydrocarbons and and et cetera, because that's how I was trained, Mm -hmm. okay? That's how I was trained. When I give a report to somebody... It's like I gave them, and I would say this, a turd sandwich. <laughs> yeah. they, they treat me like I gave them a turd sandwich. They immediately drop it, and they don't want anything to do with me. In your example, not only did that teacher kind of end the conversation, there's a good chance, and I'm not saying she did this, but there's a good chance she then went to social media and started dogging on you. Highly possible. You know yep. what I mean? But that, that that's a reaction that some people go down. The next thing I wanted to bring up is that Science is dynamic. Science changes. Because science is constantly challenging the status quo. Yep. That's what science is. Okay. When you stop doing that, you start getting into some very muddy waters of like cult-like behaviors. Okay. (laughs) And I'm talking anthropological speaking here. I'm not talking about sensationalism. I'm actually talking about Webster's Dictionary here, folks. Okay. (laughs) What bothers me is that it's, th- this is very much an emotional battle that the cli- – we, we don't call them environmentalists. That's not, I've adopted a highway by myself since 2005, okay, mm-hmm. before I even got in oil and gas. I'm more of an environmentalist than most of the people out there. I've interviewed a lot of oil and gas people that have cleaned water up, that have cleaned the air up, that have cleaned up reclamation sites – that are a hell of a lot more of environmentalists than a lot of these people I've met. Okay, so we call them climate activists mm-hmm. because that's the real term for them, right. climate activists. So anybody out there listening who wishes to grab the narrative, stop allowing the word environmentalist to be used in that way. Call them climate activists. Stephanie Canales, who sits on your board, mm-hmm. she said she was a former environmentalist, and I corrected her, and she looked at me, and she said, you're right. They are climate activists, (laughs) and I am an environmentalist. I go, Yes, you are. That's right. So, that okay. So, what gets me though is how they're trying to like tie this emotion almost like the fossil fuel industry has destroyed the earth like it's the Garden of Eden, (laughs) and we've created this original sin. It's all. It's very eerie to me because I grew up. I was a Sunday school teacher for eight years, so I understand this stuff. I have read the Bible twice, so I do get this. And it just almost seems like there's a lot of those connections to really advance people's emotional connection to a non factual. Industry and if anything should be sterile, it's probably the climate and environment that should be taken from a very scientific
4: approach. Okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> I get very passionate about this. No, no, I, I I think that's all great because I do the same thing. I, I I I start talking to someone about about the environment about about fossil fuel use and and uh, it, it it's very frustrating to me because the, the lack of understanding that that occurs when you have those conversations. Uh, One of the things that I I, I do like to to quote uh, Alex Epstein, who who wrote the the book Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, and he talks about human flourishing. Uh, That's something that so many people in this country simply don't understand because they lived a charm life. I don't care if you're the poorest person in the poorest community in this country you're nowhere near somebody in India or somebody in sub-Saharan Africa. Those people know what it's like. You don't have to send a young lady from your household uh, on a walk every day for eight hours to fetch your water, which is what they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't even talk to me about your, your terrible life you have here. The worst conditions in this country are no match for what the third world is really like, and I I just get so frustrated with that. And that doesn't say that we don't have people here that are disadvantaged, and we need to help them out, and we need to build them up. How do you do that? You, cheap energy. I mean, that's that's the first thing. That's the first thing that every country uh, around the world wants. Is they want cheap energy. Um, I, I've kind of I've kind of lost my track here on, okay. on what you
0: <laughs> You know, I I did want to interrupt actually, so I'm glad that you did because. One of the things that I've been bringing up lately, and this is with leaders, okay? Hmm. I was going to try it on the non-leadership, the regular folk, the everyday folk, you know, like me. But this is actually now more of a leadership question because all I hear about, and really what we're talking about is the future. Okay, we're talking about the future here. Now, I can go down to the tarot card reader, the gypsy, (laughs) and get the future done there too. Yeah. Because the future that we're talking about is based on a computer model that has never been verified. So we're talking about science that has never been verified. We're talking about consensus science, which is not real science. Okay, that's right. so that's, that's my first problem. All right, now I lost my train of thought here. No, <laughs> so what we're talking about is the future here. And the cr- when we talk about the future, it's a way to defle- deflect from the present. And last I checked, a third of the population doesn't have running water. That's right. We got half the population that doesn't have electricity on a daily basis. So it is very irresponsible, very irresponsible for leadership to devote the amount of resources they are to the future that we don't know anything about. (laughs) Again, 100 years ago, nobody knew that the automobile would come around. Type of, (laughs) And 10 years later, it came. Right. I brought up the example earlier of, of 1989 was Back to the Future 3, 87 or 89. Yeah. We'll say 89. <laughs> we'll give them the two years. They they couldn't conceptualize anything beyond a fax machine. Right. Okay, so to think that we're not going to come up with something with the sheer momentum that we've been having for 300 years is irresponsible in itself <laughs> That's and right. and kind of – Kind of short-sighted. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'm questioning leadership a little bit on why they're bringing us down this direction when there's a lot of evidence against that. You mentioned hydrogen earlier. You know, Fargo, uh, where I'm from, that's that's always the talk of a hydrogen filling station. Yep. We've got I-94 and 29, so we're always in the talk for anything going forward because we are basically the geographical center of North America. Mm-hmm. We're like 90, 100 miles away or something like that mm-hmm. from the actual... Geographical center of North America. North America. So w- when you look at that, obviously there's a lot to do with the interstates. So we're always on the you know, Tesla filling stations, hydrogen <laughs> filling. I heard nuclear fission the other day came back into play, but that was because Bill Gates gets a lot of government money to go try to create that. And no wonder he's trying to be political as he is. Uh, what, what message do you have for leadership right now? Because there is a connection problem. There is an, and I'll show you what we've been doing to try to connect in a second. Because we had to get out there and crazy because sometimes you got to fight crazy with crazy.
4: That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I, and again, when it comes to leadership, it's, it's, it's concerning uh, that, that people are in leadership positions that, that don't understand or probably more to the point are unwilling to understand. Their their minds are so closed that uh, it, it's it's of grave concern. I, you you mentioned Bill Gates. He's he's a good example. Uh, recently, he's come out with all kinds of. What I would consider harebrained ideas, uh, he he wants to to put some stuff up in the atmosphere to deflect the sun so we cool the planet and stuff like that. And you're going, okay, this is this is a good idea. Why? Uh, but at the same time, we had a video of Bill Gates that we had it may still be up on our website where he's being interviewed and he talks about uh, this this whole idea of getting rid of fossil fuels and and that kind of thing. He said. I was at a conference and somebody was asking me these questions and I said, what's wrong with you Wall Street guys? Don't you, do you have something in your desk drawer that will fly an airplane across the country? Do you have something that will drive a truck to the grocery store? I mean, he gets it on that level. But then there's the other side of him that publicly you don't hear stuff like that. That no. was that was an interview in a, in an auditorium that had maybe a couple hundred people in it. But then Bill Gates, you know, makes a statement and he gets all over the, the national press about climate change and all this kind of stuff, and that we need to do this, and we need to do that. So so that's that's I I think unfortunate. We have folks uh, in in the current administration and everybody that's that's been appointed and is getting loaded up into cabinet level positions and, and the, the appointees just below them uh, are all these uh, people that, that have a vision of, of this country without fossil fuels and they again, if they believe it or if they just just don't understand, they think we can get there in like 10 years. And it's just wrong, and it's wrong to make the American people believe that. That's the thing that really concerns me: is you're you're not telling the truth to to the people that are going to suffer the consequences of your actions, and that's the find, the thing that I find really frustrating about it. And, and something else that you mentioned: uh, look look around the globe. You know, we we've got uh, what. Three billion people on this planet that don't have uh, reliable energy, that don't have water and those resources. One of our members enterprise uh, uh, systems out of uh, the Texas Texas ship channel, uh, they ship LNG and crude oil uh, around the world and uh, they had they'd gone to India and they looked around and they said, you know, we can do something. We can do something for ourselves and create a little bit of a market for our LNG that we're, we're exporting to, to India, but at the same time we can help these people. They gave them a propane stove and a propane tank so that these women that are cooking in their homes on shreds of paper and dung and anything they can find to burn to heat the place as well as to cook, and they gave them clean energy that they can a clean cook stove that they can use in their home and again like i said they they weren't completely altruistic they were looking at you know at their own mm-hmm. self-interest to say we're creating a market for our product in india but at the same time they were improving the lives of all of those people that that die early from respiratory disease that now maybe they won't so those are the kind of solutions that i think leadership should be looking at, that they -hmm. they should be considering, is those type of situations to say, how can we help? How can we help everybody in this country maintain the marvelous lifestyle we've got? And those in this country that are disadvantaged, how can we help them? And what can we do around the world? Things like that. Here's here's a great example of how we can help. I call it rank prejudice. I really
0: believe (laughs) it is. It's nothing short of rank prejudice, and I see we're, we're over on time, and so we'll wrap up here, and I appreciate that, and I do want to show you how we're trying to connect with some of the people out there, but at the same time, I did want to get your, your comments on, and I asked Senator Kramer this, and I've asked a few other, uh, Brooks Landgraf out of Texas, I'm trying to think of some of the other uh, individuals that I've asked, because I, I it's, it's a tough question. It's a very polarizing question, actually, but I, I really think there's a lot of evidence to say this is just flat out rank prejudiced. At the end of the day, trying to do this, uh, trying to just oh go code. I'm sorry, go and uh, go build solar panels, and you know stop killing babies and all this other stuff that you guys are doing and things like that. So I don't know if
4: you want to comment on that or I, not. Well, I, I I think you're absolutely right there. And again, as as we've discussed, for for whatever reason, sometimes since the 1980s. Uh, it, it became a bad thing. to, to be, Maybe it was the TV show Dallas. That, that I wondered it, that. Is, that, actually, yeah. that was the last hurrah, really. It, it kind of was, you know, and, and people saw that and it was such a farce that, you know, I mean, come on. Yes. Was it the dream? Maybe. Was it the fact that JR was a dream the whole time that people are I, I, we're going to get back at them? <laughs> maybe. Is maybe. Jerry Jones is too flamboyant with the Cowboys? What's going on I here? <laughs> I don't know. Those, those are great. But, but the idea that, that there is a prejudice that has been that has built up mm-hmm. uh, about fossil fuels in the oil and gas industry and that somehow we're all fat cats and all and like I said I'm you know I, trained as a geologist went to school I used to hammer on rocks and stuff uh, you think about petro- petroleum engineering I think I may be wrong on this but I think it is still the number one paying bachelor's degree in this country and, uh, again, for me. for somebody like John Kerry to tell me that not just a bachelor's, degree, let me say, uh, some guy's got a PhD in petroleum engineering, and you want him to go build solar panels, good luck. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so one of the things we were trying to do is, you know, like I said before, we went non-political for a reason, and we started marketing that, okay? And actually, the industry didn't really like that. There was a lot of people in the industry didn't like that. They wanted us to go political, and they wanted this and that. Well... We We're an entrepreneur, and we're like, no, everybody's going political, including Sports Center and the view. Everybody's political. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be the only non-political voice out there. And it was interesting because our social media kept climbing and climbing. And oh yeah, we're, we, we've got different social media sites because we had dreams during $100 oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a Bakken site and a Permian site. and yeah. so we have these Facebook pages and Twitter, you know, all these different, you know, social media sites under the crude life umbrella that just get used as distribution now, right? Well, we have over 300,000 followers. Wow. Yeah. And that was all organic. We Mm -hmm. haven't spent one dime on social media and it's just putting out our stuff and this and that. Well, you know, we have a lot of people that follow our stuff that don't necessarily comment on it because you're not going to get... Harold Hamm commenting on too much social media. It's just <laughs> right. the way of the world, folks, right. the way it works. Too many attorneys are watching, you know, <laughs> right. and they got better things to do. But so we took a look at that. There is a market out there for that. And so we kept going with it. And then we started trying to go the, well, let's fight crazy with crazy. What better way to do it? So we entered into a environmental contest. And we said, we're going to prove that oil and gas is the most environmentally conscious ideology out there. (laughs) So we went in with, renewables ain't doable without fossil fuels. Okay, (laughs) that's how we started it, by by saying that, okay, you want wind and solar, let's Mm -hmm. just start there, and started showing how they're made, and transported, and how there's, by the way, no reclamation program, different story, different day. Right, right. We're not done with that story, folks. (laughs) Uh, so we kind of went through that, and then we brought in cell phones to show how actually cell phones probably are the number one polluter on the planet mm-hmm. because of the rare earth minerals that it takes to mine them, yep. the actual data centers involved that heat them up and cool them down, you know? <laughs> I mean, you've got these huge data centers buried miles below the earth that still need air conditioning. Mm-hmm. That's how hot they get. And then there's the whole manufacturing and distribution side of things, too. So you've got cell phones. So we are just kind of educating kids. And we won the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a belt. Oh my. Take look a at look that. at that. You can hold that. it there.
4: Look at that. Oh God.
0: So that's a championship belt.
4: The Earth's champion.
0: Same company that True. WWE <laughs> and Brock Lesnar, you know.
4: I love it. But when you look at the
0: side, crude life, yeah, right? Crude so life, yeah. this is when we get invited to parades, <laughs> schools tree planting ceremonies because of this belt. It became a way for us to connect with kids. We got kids that are just loving this. Uh, Pictures in parade floats with beauty queens, (laughs) all kinds of, all ages. Uh, Liberal professors from universities (laughs) with a picture with this belt because we engage with a regular conversation with them. This brings them in. Mm -hmm. The shirt here. The renewables. and. Ain't doable without fossil fuelables. A fan of our little program created this. Okay. Because our our champion is Johnny Green, Mm -hmm. and we have a dog. His name is Frackleberry Hound. (laughs) The only time you've ever seen anybody smile with the word (laughs) frack. I love it. And Frackleberry Hound and Johnny Green goes and engages with people outside of the industry and industry. We're actually going down to uh, the Permian Basin tomorrow for the annual cook-off. Okay. The Pipeliners are doing. So we're going to bring the belt and... Do do the whole song and dance type of a thing, but that was our way to just think outside the box, and it worked. And it really, and then COVID happened, and we kind of had to, you know, do a few things differently. But we're going to actually put the belt on the line, okay? And we're going to award it <laughs> to great. someone else, and then they can go be Miss America and go from town to town <laughs> and and promote the good nature of fossil fuels That's and great. how it's saving the planet. Because in order to be uh, how does it work? Okay. You got to have a strong mind, a championship mind <laughs> <laughs> to understand energy. I don't know. Something like that. We're wordsmithing <laughs> that part of it. The other thing, I want to give you a gift here. This is from my son's godfather. My son interviewed Harold Hamm. Uh-huh. My son, uh, we, we sponsored a uh, deal called Kids in Capitalism, and we took uh, kids 8 to 16 and brought them, gave them an oil tour, gave them all kinds of different things, uh, uh-huh. engaged them with great entrepreneurs and thinkers and harold ham was one of them actually yeah. so my son got to interview harold ham at the uh, williston basin conference and so it was, it was great i love it when uh, these these entrepreneurs are accessible mm-hmm. very accessible so this is his godfather my son's godfather his name is eric hatch mm-hmm. he reinvented real estate okay so what he did is he took away the actual regular realtor and said okay you're really good at just showing homes That's all you're doing. You're really good at just being on the phone, so that's all you're doing. He kind of comboed assembly line Uh but focused on their strengths. He is the number – he went from a mid-level realtor at Keller Williams to he's number one in North Dakota. And last I checked, he was 63rd in the nation. Wow. And he's a former youth leader, uh, minister. Uh So he brought that element into serving – his customers and Mm -hmm. people and since then okay so (laughs) give that to you as a gift great and uh let's see what else do we have here for you that's about it any final Mm -hmm. words what should people do next how Uh, can they join and uh
4: we we have a website uh www.depausa.org and uh
0: depausa.org
4: yeah okay all the information is there and uh you know click on and send us a message our, our email is there your contact information so uh, we love we, obviously we're in a we're in a fight mm-hmm. uh, for the domestic energy industry and uh, we need all the support we can get just like you know any, anybody else that's in a fight and uh, it, and we're, we're very concerned uh, about the next couple of years and how, how things play out
0: how do you want some of the leadership to handle because I, I introduced you to a gentleman who's on seven different boards Mm -hmm. in the state of Oklahoma. And if they start cross-pollinating their ideologies, that's going to be, I mean, guys like that are going to have to make decisions here because they they had an emergency meeting, actually, after after the API thing to find out with their chapter, what are they going to do? How are they going to handle this? And, you know, we're talking about local leadership here trying to figure out, how to not piss off <laughs> national leadership no. and your local. This is a tough position they're in is what I'm getting at. How, how do you want to see, let's say, some Oklahoma chapter in Florida, North Dakota? How, how do you want them to proceed on this? Should they call you? They email you? Should they research?
4: Because they need to do something. I think they, that each state uh, organization probably needs to you know, do exactly what you just said. They, they need to examine the policy. if API develops a policy and it's an API chapter, they need to look at that. If it's a a state oil and gas association, uh, like there's the Oklahoma Alliance, uh, there's the Texas Alliance, uh, the Kansas Independent Producers, uh, Ed Cross, their president, I I talked to him yesterday, did a little video uh, interview with him yesterday. Uh, They need, as, as individual organizations, decide what they believe the, their membership wants to do, talk to their membership, and come out with whatever their policy position is going to be. If, and again, if it's a post API, if API is going to go down some track that is going to take the organization away from representing the U.S., energy industry, the U.S. oil and gas industry in Washington, and with the press, because that's kind of the press go-tos. Let's go to ask API Mm -hmm. what they think. If they're going to relinquish that role and become the European Petroleum Institute, then let, let that be known, and that's fine. If it's this one issue, that we're going to disagree on, then maybe that's an issue and we just move on and, and go about our business and, and, and see where the, where the, the chips fall. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as state agencies, as state organizations, you, you've got to make your own decision. depamate ours on, on uh, uh, carbon pricing. And they, in that same release from the wall street journal, they talked about the Paris accords. we, absolutely oppose uh, the Biden administration rejoining Paris. It does nothing for this country. It does nothing for the planet and, and global temperatures. It's, it's a farce. And until you get, well, number one, the, the, the Indians are not part of it, period. They're not playing the game. The Chinese are in uh, because they don't have to do anything until 2030. And then at 2030, whatever their emissions might be, they'll say, well, okay, we're going to keep going or not. And if you think that they're going to say, we're going to shut down our economy so that we can meet some global CO2 standard, uh, I got a bridge I want to sell you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the whole thing is just such a farce that we we just say, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. Uh, Do do you see DEPA getting involved with local chapters either – do you guys have local we have, chapters? We don't have local chapters. <clears throat> we have uh, uh, 39 collaborating associations across the country. Okay. So, okay. Th- so the Oklahoma Alliance uh, is is a collaborator. Sipa, uh, the California Independent Producers Association, their uh, collaborating association. So, okay. So the Petroleum Alliances, right? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: For example, and I don't know if this is the case with them, but th- their their guy could. Their, whoever their director is could be sitting on a board of directors for API for all we know, could and you. Could I be. mean, so you might get guys that are sitting on boards of
4: two different groups that aren't thinking the same. Le- right. That's what, I mean, how are these guys going to think? Well, going forward? we we have a board member, a DEPA board member that is also an API board member. Well, there you and, go, and yeah, perfect and, example. And uh, DEPA has a position on carbon pricing, and. I don't know his personal position or his company's position. We haven't been told in and, and what he says behind closed doors at API. We haven't been told. Um, but as far as I know, we're still in good standing with him. And, and again, however well, this plays out – he and his company may disagree with us or may disagree with API. That doesn't mean that you're going to disagree with everything that goes well, on. Well, And not so. to mention, it's not, it, having
0: having some disagreeing voices is healthy. Absolutely. You know, it's very uh, – this guy from Wyoming said it best to me. He said he, – because they had one Democratic legislator in the whole, <laughs> whole body, right? Yeah. And he goes, it was much better when we had three – because then our dumb ideas didn't get through so fast. Because now they just get through right away. He goes, at least then we could figure out, you know, one out of tens at least dumb enough to, for us to figure it out in time. So, well, herd
4: mentality works like that. It sounds like Wyoming. I used to live in Wyoming. It sounds just like Wyoming. Yeah. All righty, sir. Well, thank you much. Any final thoughts? Any I, words? No, I, I, I appreciate uh, you, you coming in and let's, let's doing this. If, if you have any follow-up questions along uh, the road, let us know. Uh, use us as a resource um, And vice versa Please yeah. use us too so. okay. I appreciate it thank Yeah, you. thank you
1: Exclusive interview industry news Environmental innovation At com. occurred on the crude life morning show play hard work hard is by the moody river back Bay. to the
5: way. Oh, oh, oh back to the waves so back to the way.
1: Food Life with
0: Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today.
2: You know, I I come from an oil background. My family's
4: been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought
1: into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything the people tell them.
3: We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us. And especially you, Jason, Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful. As it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small
2: businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. Well, that
3: we've got people like you to pay attention, and bring us
1: information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often.
3: You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it
4: very serious. It makes perfect sense. And I thought you had a really good show last week, Jason. I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that uh, that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly. State of North Dakota, United States Senate. How about Jason Spease, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world? No one does an interview like Jason Spease. We
3: all like living
4: the crude life, so. <laughs> the crude life with host
1: Jason Spease. My name is Jason Spease,
0: and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Up next, we talk with Kate Hornbrook of Ace Completion's Kate is also the president of the Oilfield Connections International Chapter in the Permian Basin.
3: So um, I actually uh, started my college schooling at Kent State University. Um, I was going to school for chemistry. I had plans to be a dentist. Well, uh, one day I woke up and I was like, hey, you know, I don't want to be a dentist. And uh, my mom's best friend, her son, was going to Marietta College in Ohio and majoring in petroleum. And she was like, hey, I really think Kate would really like this. She really likes math, sciences, you know, geology, all those different things. But it it wasn't so heavy in one particular discipline. And that's something that I really liked. I was like, oh, you know, I'm well-rounded. So that's why I I went and took a look at the campus. It was beautiful. I I liked the idea of a small campus since I had come from a campus of 25,000 people. And, and I just loved it. So I ended up going to school there. I went for three years because I had already done a lot of, you know, prerequisites and all that jazz at Kent. After the first year, my mom and grandmother were terrified that I was going to hate it because I didn't really used to be a an overly outdoorsy individual. But but I loved it, luckily for them. Um, and, and it all just kind of took off from there. Um, when I... When I decided that I was going to move out to Midland, um, I was actually working for a a small private company called Locust Bioenergy. Um, They did biosurfactants for paraffin remediation and enhanced oil recovery, and they built a facility out here in Midland, and they were like, hey, will you just go out there, kind of help them out, uh, you know, help them get on their feet, and I was like, oh yeah, no big deal, I'll do that.
0: To listen to the full-length interview with Kate Hornbrook or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than
1: an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... It takes
0: an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out
1: industrialforest.com. That's industrialforest.com. The music heard on The Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.